Thanks for listening to Colt Wrangler Radio, brought to you by the Hill Country Playboys, Good Mule Records, and Nelson's Hat Shop. David Bond. Here we go. Lone Stars. What time is it? Oh, what what time do we crack the first one so we know what to tell the cops? I ain't telling them nothing. That's one thing. Ten fifty one in the morning. <laughs> hey, fellas, good to see you. Man, you're one of the one of the uh, the California people that I'm glad moved here. Welcome. Well, I appreciate that. Well, it's not necessarily a California thing as much as it's just like uh, people of a certain thinking should all be gathering in places where their thinking uh, reflects what they. The, their, their sort of overall outlook right like i yeah. don't it doesn't matter where you come from if you're thinking this way come on and that seems to be for sure the way the states needs to be kind of divvied up anyway like if if you want it to be that way then go where it's that way correct that's not necessarily why we came here but yeah. it's a big part of why we're glad to be here yeah um you know growing up in california there's always a misnomer especially back here uh, 80% of that state is ag and rural and suffering in today's climate, you know, and LA and San Francisco are what dictates everything that happens out there. And the majority of all of those people are from somewhere else. Yeah. What, how did you feel? I mean, I guess start us from the beginning on sort of your history in California and like your family and, and sort of that upbringing? Uh, my family, uh, on my mom's side, were German Mennonites, came over from Germany, I worked their way all the way across, settled in somewhere around 1900, Paso Robles area, central coast of California, uh, about as pretty a part about of the world as country. you ever see. Yeah. Mm. And then uh, my dad's side, uh, you know, came in at some point around the same time, but then uh, did a lot of ranching and that kind of stuff. Southern California before it was, you know, Hereford Farm, all that kind of stuff. The Lucky Bee brand, that's our fourth generation brand. Uh, we just... Uh, we lost my mom about three years ago and then we moved my dad off the ranch about a year ago, which was, you know, it's like pretty much signing a guy's death notice, but thankfully we're getting him through the whole deal. Um, so for the first time in a long time, the lucky bee is that sign is not hanging Yeah. other than on my shop, which I took our brand as my company name when I started, uh, 34 years ago. That's what I was going to ask you. It's like, because because California is such a beautiful place and it is sort of, it is misrepresented and I think in just modern culture and in terms of what it came from was exactly what you're talking about. Like your family and people like your family are what made that place livable for people to be able to move in there. Sure. So is it, is it hard to leave that place? I imagine it is to kind of like say like, it's just not happening for, I'm going to be the generation it's just not happening for. And I got to, it's not, Reflective. Well, I think there's a lot of that. Our our situation's a little different. Our kids came back here initially. And what California doesn't represent anymore is that American dream for young kids that want a little farm 
uh, won a little piece of property, really even won a house. I mean, or just a simple business, simple business. Yeah. yeah if you just want to get town, by and you, you ain't already made it. It ain't yeah. for you. You're yeah. pretty much nailed on every level. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the big thing in the ag world is every time you turn around, there's a new regulation. There's some, some, you know, rule about a rule. There's a rule about a rule and a rule about how you doctor your animals and a rule about how you would go about doctoring your animals. I mean, they, they're trying to pass laws all over that state that fly in the face of what built that state. Yeah. You know, so that was the big thing that made getting my dad off the ranch easier, you know, because he was just, you know, he had, he had gone to court against the federal government because they were dictating that even on your private land that you own all the mineral rights to we needed to know you know we know that you have a well and we know that you have two what you call ponds out there but tanks uh and we need to know how much these springs and everything are producing and my dad was like no you don't this is our our land but it's followed up with the threat you know thousand dollar a day threat if you don't comply and i mean that just it's bullying you guys all know it's (laughs) bullying and it really there's nothing that cuts to the core of a of an old rancher than somebody trying to play games like that you know yeah with their with their resources with their their resources which my dad had bought all of that yeah exactly and it's uh it's interesting and then you know then it would spawn a million conspiracy theories if you just sit back and think for a second you're like wait a minute what's this all about but what it's all about i'm sure isn't what we're hearing it's all about never is or you're never hearing it a little at a time yeah you're never hearing it anyway but i know and that's what's so sad is that there's actually some like you can live to this point like if you're in your dad's sort of situation where you watched it become this right from what it was that has to really take the wind out of your sails. The fact well, that these two generations are existing at the same time and to know what it was and to know what it is now sure. and just how, how much I think long-term worse off we are in terms of ag. Well, and that's the thing, you know, we, you know, I don't want to get off on all this stuff because I always, I always stop short, you know, because you can go down a rabbit hole pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you don't, I don't turn the news on. I haven't in three years. Uh, it proved itself useless three years ago to me. I agree. Yeah. Uh, because it's just a big giant pitting of one person against another person continually. Yeah. It's just not and good for the they're creating, spirit. creating wars. It's between like a sports people. rivalry, but we all, but red and blue get the effects of it. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And I mean, and you know, we're, but we're not on the team. We're not involved. You I've know? always yeah. tried to walk down the middle of that red and blue that you just saw, yeah. because I think both sides are equally flawed. I agree. But I mean, it we literally, had this talk on the way up here. Yeah. It literally uh, it'll drag you in. And, you know, it's just not good for the human spirit. It just oh, it, dampens it. it. it it's it just terrible. It. it kills it. Terrible. So the answer to your initial question was our kids came back. I had been working in Texas you know, the last couple of years before we moved upwards of six months, a year in Texas, uh, working at the stockyards and, a, you know, a bunch of different stuff in the Western world. And, uh, so my wife kind of leveled, you know, if we have another grandbaby, uh, we're going. And then what actually kicked it off was the whole, 
beginning of the whole pandemic or whatever you want to say, uh, I had four phone calls on a Thursday morning within an hour's time and my entire job book cleared. And that was, you know, world of outlaws, uh, Coachella, some pretty big stuff. Oh, wow. And which by the way, I mean, for people that don't know you, we should say what you do. Oh, just quickly. Traditional old time sign writer, uh, sign painter, basically muralist, uh, is yeah. sign writing the like the term you prefer? Like, is that is that its own world? Sign writing. Sign writing's the okay. old world term. Cool. That's uh, cool. Like okay. the European term. It, it wasn't, and I I can get into that. I mean, there were some deliberate decisions that I made early on to buy myself some credibility because thirty four years in this business, you know, thirty four years ago, you were basically you go to do someone's window at a shop. And they would treat you like the janitor. You were just like some guy doing a, a bottom end job. Nobody really, I mean, occasionally, but most people didn't go, man, that's something else that you're doing. And this is really old timey and, and cool, yeah. you know? Uh, so when I took the, when I took the cattle brand as my company name, I deliberately put design behind it because that bought me and it worked it's interesting it bought me a bunch of credibility okay mm -hmm. so yeah. when they saw yeah. lucky b design oh very smart they yeah. were like huh okay this guy's a designer so it bought me a little bit of credibility and then when you use terms like sign writer it sounds pretty odd you yeah. know especially at the time now it's and i'm not saying i brought that term back but it's a pretty well uh used term at this point yeah it's coming and it's, back for sure it's uh it's just i'm sure i brought it kind of back to light a little bit and then so did 25 of the other sign painter sign writers in america you know we just you're going back to the original kind of proper name for it you know okay so and it also buys you some credibility yeah and yeah. it makes people stop and go wait a minute what what you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's cool to just see that little piece of old world rem remaining, like you say, like from you to go from being treated like the janitor to now being like sought after for design advice. That's, right. That's awesome. Right. And you did have a lot to do with that, I'm sure. And by, by some really big companies, you like know, which is like you're saying, you you had like Coachella and your book cleared, like that's yeah. wild. So that was, you know, the book cleared totally cleared, and I thought to myself, well, I said to my wife out loud, I do not have a rebate. You know, that was a big, big chunk of money. And she said, well, it's fine. I have the salon. And the next day, the governor shut the salons down. Uh, so our kids called and literally said, get back here. And they were over to here in Texas. And so we said, well, we can't get back there. You know, it's supposed to be two weeks. We're just going to take some time and maybe paint. You know, I had bought some canvas. I was going to do some fine art, yeah. which I never have time to do. And uh, they were like, no, you need to get back here. And so I had just butchered a steer and I pushed a upright fridge full of freshly butchered meat up onto this trailer and uh, that Triumph motorcycle right there and a couple of bloodhounds and we hauled back to Texas and we were here three months. Uh, and then we just said we should buy a house. Oh, wow. So that was our our 
story getting what back do you, here. What do you think it was made you want to stay? Did it just feel different to you? Did you did you just want to well, be around the grandbabies? And I mean, that's well, obviously a part oh, of it. Oh yeah, but, grandbabies yeah. are a huge part of it. Uh, the biggest thing was two weeks into being here in Texas, I got a private message, I think, on Instagram or something from a. a a company downtown in Waco and they're like, are you here? Oh, wow. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, if you're okay with it, we'd like to present a big wall job to you and see if you're into doing it. And I said, yeah, I'm, you know, and it was, it was that weird little window when Texas actually did kind of slow down for a minute. You know, you could drive downtown and there wasn't a car on the street and you know, the cops were waving at you as you, blew by them they yeah. weren't pulling people over and it was just like man this is great mm -hmm. and uh i went downtown and you know i saw the twenty thousand dollar job two weeks in which did a big chunk of covering what i'd lost two weeks prior and yeah. so it proved to me that there was the money here to sustain us and almost the interest in what you do more so interest. that was fading probably back there the interest it's or you growing, were having to sort of here or you were sort of having to like it's pivot. growing here but it's growing it's growing everywhere you know i mean everywhere where it's affordable it and that's the thing there's just a max mass exodus out of these cities during covid well and they're finding where, where can i afford to have a business where can i afford to buy a house and people are going there and then they're taking what they've learned from from these more trendy areas and they're like yeah. oh well shoot i can buy a, a business on main street for a fraction of the price sure and then I can afford to have a guy come and paint the windows. Mm. I can afford to like curate it in this way. And then I can use the internet to draw people there because small towns, uh, you can see them by not just exiting off the road. Now you can see them online and then actually go there just because you saw it on Instagram. So sure. yeah, it just makes point. more sense that you yeah. can do this kind of a job or a job that I do in basically in the middle of nowhere if you right. want to. Right. And that's the, that's the big thing, you know. Part of, you know, part of being a sign writer is sitting at an easel all day or like yesterday painting windows all day. Or last week I was on a wall for the entire week in the stockyards. So you're one with your own thoughts, which is very much the same as a working cowboy, right? So the majority of people in California in those urban areas are not native. They've all come from somewhere else, which is interesting because obviously the climate and the Pacific Ocean and whatever will bring people in because it is beautiful. Uh, but what I'm seeing now and what I, you know, you hear so much about everyone moving back. There are a bunch of the right people, according to Texas mindset, moving back. Mm. I don't know how many of the, you know, that would be viewed negatively but what i've sort of put together in my mind is it's the grandbabies of the dust bowl migration that came from here going to california during the dust bowl coming home so it's that pendulum swinging back reverse exodus of well, what it has happened to be with the because dust bowl. i mean when you're looking at a three bedroom two bath ranch for nine hundred thousand dollars where we lived and I come and buy this with the shop and a nice corner piece of property by the lake for 150. Yeah. It has to be. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, something had to break there in California for sure. It is, it is attractive to everyone. Nobody would not, 
if given something out there, probably go. Right, right. I think that's the very thing that brought their downfall. Because like you say, the Dust Bowl, that was a time when it was fairly undeveloped. There was work there. Sure. And I'd heard... I'd heard way lower numbers than I had even thought in terms of that dust bowl. I think it was only like 30,000 people or something, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't a But ton. it was a big influx. Big influx at once. a very empty area. And you think all those people had kids and they all got their roots in Texas or in Oklahoma or in eastern New Mexico. And then they start being like, well, that's where we're really from. Maybe, right. maybe we bail on back. Well, it's just, you know, my roots are on the Mennonite side, Kansas. Yeah. So you think that goes all the way back to the beginning of the last century. Yeah. But that's the roots. Germany to Kansas to California. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and they were ranchers and, and farmers also. So Were they southern, like Bavaria region? Like they were, are they no, right way close up, to? Uh, uh, kind of Prussia. What's okay. become Prussia. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit out of the. Yeah. So. And what's wild about that really quick is I've stood on the family you know grew up on the family land in california i've been to kansas wichita whitewater area right there and i've been to the part of germany we're from and if you did not know where you were and you pick up the soil the clay composite and everything uh, is identical wow. the white oaks with the moss hanging off them and everything is identical everybody just go to Everybody came over and went to what they knew. Went to what they knew how to work. Yeah. And that's and similar with like the Amish, right? They come yeah. from the Swiss region, what would be it now be Switzerland, but then in that time it was like Burgundy or whatever. But um, the Mennonite and then what is it? The Hooterite. Where, do you know where they come from? No, I, I sure I don't. I don't either. I don't either. But I, I don't even kind necessarily of think I know what that is. They're way north. I know they're a lot in Montana. Okay. What did you say they were? Hooterite. Oh yeah, but they're like sounds uh, cool. They're, uh, <laughs> sounds like some some wild women I've hung out with. Yeah, well, they're like sounds it. like you after a few Lone Star. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard about blanket parties, and and people that know Hooterites will know exactly what I'm talking about. But, okay, well, uh, yeah, it seems like those si- those kind of cultures that all kind of came and sort of isolated themselves, and like you said, moved to what they knew and just did what they did. And yeah, yeah, and I mean it's you know to come to California in the in the night at 1900 and homestead a big piece of property and you know the Mennonites I come from there were a lot of Sunday Christians yeah. you know because there were gunfights and there were you know a bunch of real skeletons you know in the closet and literally skeletons in the closet yeah like my grandfather plowed up a uh a Indian graveyard and it shut him down way back. I mean, 1920, it shut him down for two years while they did an archaeological dig out there. And it turned out to be this big cache. But, I mean, I have all over. I have right here on the desk a bunch of arrowheads that Grandpa picked up off the ground just oh, wow. working on the tractor, you know, or doing whatever. And But some of the relatives had, you know, old Mennonite farmers, they'd bring you into the house and their little parlor trick was opening the hall closet and pulling a human skull they found out in the field. Oh, damn. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it's it's pretty weird. What are the tenets of Mennonites? I mean, like, what is their core belief that... I, I, do you, I mean, is there anything you in know, particular so, that's We're different? so far removed. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I believe, a lot along the Amish. However, it's, you know, like, you get into the Quakers that drive cars and still dress a little bit traditional, but they, you know, yeah. Mennonites were, 
hard to tell. It's just, it's just, you know, a lot of that core, I think early biblical belief. And a lot of times, I mean, even in Pastor Robles, it was still, it was still German. The services mm-hmm. were still in, in old German, you oh, know? Wow. So, uh, it's it interesting. Like I've just... been to, I've been to Kansas and sat in that church and during a service and they're singing in German and you're literally like, Holy, you know, it's, it's something else. Yeah. It just seemed like there was a certain, there's a certain time where people branched off over the smallest difference of belief and they're so similar, but there's just this one thing they don't agree on. And then they started their own branch and then they just, yeah, sure. (laughs) And that's that's the history of history. That's the history of history. I mean, you look at every single thing that's going on in the world and it comes back to that core. Yeah. Yeah. And always has. Yeah. And also is being used. It's nothing new. Yeah. Nothing new. It's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess in a roundabout way, we followed our kids back if we're still on that. And uh, it turned out it worked out real well for us. And, and we're happy to be here. I mean, I I could tell you like three things I miss. And that's, you know, that's it. So. What is it? The beach? Car culture, just the weather. Not the maybe. beach. Car culture maybe is the fourth thing, a little bit, but I'm kind of over that now. I mean, I've I've been in, I've been through that pretty heavy. Uh, yeah, one. Yeah, I I feel like I've I've seen enough. Even I have if, zero desire to go to a car show. Yeah, like my neighbor like across the street is a great guy, and he he talks about, hey, let's go to this car show, and I'm like, you know, I mean, I'll take that back. I go to Yokohama. For like the world's best car show. Oh well, yeah, that's a different. That makes animal. sense. And to that's find a, the absolute. That's that's a pinnacle. The, so yeah. maybe that's part of the reason that I just that's ruined it for you. You know, a it's bit. like I have no desire to go downtown and eat sushi. Yeah. After being in the Tokyo fish market and eating sushi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so maybe that is correct, and that's that's what maybe has taken it down. But the the things I miss most most is the marine layer. Mm-hmm. which comes in and cools everything down at night by 40 degrees. Uh, the Sierras and trout fishing. Mm. That's that's it, you know? Yeah, that would make sense. That's the beauty of California, too, is that's one of the few places where that all can happen within a dr- day's drive. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. a day's drive, you can, and I have lots of friends that will surf in the morning and be snowboarding in yeah. the afternoon. That's yeah. why it's such a sought after place i mean it is beautiful and the minute that thing fails and burns to the ground i'll be the first one moving back yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah let's go let's go, <laughs> let's go stake our claim again you know I guarantee no it. i'm waiting too unless it falls off like they say yeah, yeah. well that See. might even be better it might well, be then nevada will be beachy <laughs> yeah that's right that's right there will still be beachfront property sure one way or the sure. other we're sitting here in your shop and just looking around. You see something new, and you have such an incredible like taste for what I would define as, I guess, Americana. It's not in any one vein. It's very much just like what I picture America being, and I don't know what that is or what that underlying factor is. But what 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 do you think it is that that makes like this is a random bunch of paintings and signs and and from all different lifestyles, but yet there's a cohesive element to it. What what do you think it, that is? In I your think it goes back to California. Okay. It, growing up on a cattle ranch, uh, I used to think I was such an oddball. The, you know, with the influence that was constantly around us. It wasn't just ranching. It was ranching. Your buddy was into lowriders. Your other friend was into skateboarding or punk rock. And, you know, at some point, those influences carried you 
along. And so you were still a ranch kid, but you were going to a punk rock show or you were skateboarding mm-hmm. or you were, you know, whatever it would be into cars, into motorcycles, into all of this different thing, because it's all there. That's the influence. Uh, some of my really good friends as a kid were like full on, you know, grew up to be full on lowrider guys, but their dads worked the ranch with my dad. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So that's the progression uh that i think doesn't necessarily happen in other spots i mean when you're working west texas on a ranch you're working on that ranch that's not putting that down in any way but your influences are different your influences are completely nothing's close that's the thing about california is you got you have so much culture and 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 different dynamics and that's so that's also the beauty about real cowboys so when I was 15 years old, I, sh- I went in the bathroom with a pair of clippers and shaved the side of my head off, you know, like basically one side. And my dad was outside stick welding a trailer together. And I walked out and he looked up and goes, oh, that looks weird. You better do the other side. So I went back in and at 15 had given myself a mohawk. And then the next day we went out to work. And when those day worker guys showed up, which were older wise you know wise men they looked up and they went huh that's different and then you go to work and you you prove yourself and no one says another word which is totally you know that's totally cowboy to me they don't care who you are as long as you're doing your work i mean i came from there that's my that was our ranch but it's it's uh it was nothing was ever said no. about it again. It's worse if it's worse if you look the part and then you can't live up to it. It's exactly, even, it's even worse. Way worse, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know we were we were handy. I've been away from it for a long time. You know, I was talking to my buddy Scott Slusher the other day about roping some calves, and I go, "Man, I haven't done that in a long time." And he was like, "Man, well, you know, be like riding a bike, <laughs> maybe." I don't know. I just haven't done it in a long time because I've I've gone different directions. I mean, I cherish it. Yeah. I, I do cherish it, and I do champion the cowboy in everything I do. You look at my work, and it's all – it all has an element, whether you realize or not, of traditional cowboy or Western Which is styling. what I think a lot of people appreciate about it is that it's – yeah. Not only are you doing a traditional craft, but you're bringing in the traditional sort of, um, or picking a traditional world. And, and right. Well, that's Americana to me. Well, it's all Americana. Yeah. yeah. It's all, it all. Yeah. If yeah. my shop says one thing, it is all of probably the same era, just in different neighborhoods. That's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, you could be on that ranch, you know, it's not even that long ago. You know, short-legged Herefords in downtown Burbank at the turn of the last century is where Lucky B was born. Wow. So if you think about that downtown Burbank, and then it pushes out, and then it, you know, there's still ranchettes in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. I don't know what they're doing right now since they've banned all the ag sports in Los Angeles. Or Did they? What, you know, all the, I mean, I think it went through. I think oh, I wow. heard it went through, but then again, I don't watch the news. Yeah, so I'd heard something about I it, but I don't know what happened either. Uh, but I mean, that's the kind of underhanded stuff where let's go after these people because they're mistreating animals. But the reality is it's a land grab. 
that's the real underlying deal, right? It's a land it has nothing keeps, to do with how these people take care of their animals. And it keeps people from being self-sustainable. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the biggest, well, and biggest lo- thing of all. And yeah. a lot of the people that scream the loudest will go out and party all night, do a bunch of cocaine, and leave their dog in the damn house for 12 hours at a time. Oh, for sure. And yeah. the motherfucker has to shit on the floor. Yeah. Right. And you want to tell me that that's not animal abuse? A hundred percent. You know what I mean? And that that's what really gets to me sometimes because a lot of these folks in the city, they, they want to come after folks like us, and then in the same way, they are abusing their own animals. Oh, for and sure. And they totally write it off. For sure. Yeah, there's hypocrisy everywhere you look. Well, I yep. mean, you've never seen a person take better care of their of well, their animals than somebody that's working with their animals. Well, it's their livelihood. It's their livelihood. Their animals it's, their, it's their tool, but it's more than their tool. It's their, it's really your partner. It you is. Know? If you're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, who are you talking to? Who are you singing to? Yeah. Who are you uh, relying on to get home? You know, who's keeping you going all day? It's not your buddy next to you because that guy's not there. Yeah, it's who are you really? Who are you leaning on? Yeah, There's yeah, another yeah, yeah. thing with a heartbeat here, and it's maybe it's not human, but you need it as much as anything. Well, and that probably that yeah. just that just makes a lot of sense why traditional stone working cowboys are quiet around crowds, maybe to a degree, and you know, but they're they're a hundred. My grandfather, when he died, he was like one with the earth yeah he was he would tell me it's going to rain in three days but it would be perfectly clear and i would say how you know i'm a little kid how do you know that and he would just read like rings around the sun and like weather patterns and what certain i mean he was like he was a product of depending on things of that nature and sure enough it would rain yeah and so there's wisdom and back to your point there's wisdom that has been i think intentionally erased but people that have too many devices in front of them and have too many sidetracking kind of interests uh that don't pay attention i mean when i was a kid my dad always told me to pay attention to those old timers and it's important and there's things that got away from us even with the best of intentions i don't know how to graft trees or do all this wild stuff like my grandfather knew firsthand but i do know a lot of the things he taught me you know i do remember my grandfather saying when i was a little kid man every time they make a national park and everyone cheers about it uh they put a fence and a gate in that thing and uh you know at any point they could shut it off yeah now that's okay what does that even mean but when you get older you start to realize what that means when uh you know there's every single thing i think that we see or is presented to us is cover for something else and I'm not saying, you know, I don't even know. I don't even I, think that's conspiratorial. I think that that's absolutely the function of the things that we see. Well, look at what was happening during the last couple of years when there was a major beef shortage, according to the media. But Texas cattle ranchers had an abundance of butcher ready steers that they had no avenue to the. Yeah, two conflicting to points pen, of view you know? being represented. Boots on the ground and people in the country. I mean, 
even here, your grandma will call you up and be like, what's going on in Texas? I hear there's all sorts of stuff. Oh, and yeah. you're like, no, right. none of this. And I was up in Seattle because my girls from there are up. She was living up there at the time when all those riots were going on. They're like, what is that whole place on fire? I'm like, no, there was literally a shoebox on fire and it's a like four-way intersection. And the yeah. guy got, I watched him take the picture. He was down right along it. And he took the picture with the background and it was a hundred people going down the street right. being very, uh, calm like there's people out sunbathing on their front yard as they walk by it's yeah it's you know it's all perspective and it's all everything's so skewed it's you know a, a buddy of mine that is a navajo nation artisan i asked him a couple of years ago i said man are you guys just getting drilled by this thing and he said uh no and i said well that's the narrative yeah. And he said, Dave, what do the Navajos not have that everyone else has? And I said, man, I don't know. And he said, media outlets. We can't debunk anything. We can't answer anything. Yeah. So, and maybe there was a, you know, according to him, no. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was. You know, I'm not saying that didn't all happen because it all happened. Uh, I'm just saying what was the narrative through it you know yeah i i i don't know what to think and i i feel like you're on the edge in terms of generationally uh opting out of that but there's a lot of i i feel like the older generation is the one that really got captured by this and i feel like a lot of ours and below is just bailing on it altogether well i've seen you know i'm 54 years old i've seen hunting be slammed but organic be raised to this crazy level which is obscure i mean it's just it's ridiculous yeah because what's more you know i don't want to get ted nugent on it even organic though he's a neighbor farming. up the street but <laughs> literally if you're growing your own stuff and harvesting your own product that you know how it was raised essentially that's pretty dang organic yeah and uh, you know all the people buying organic at the store that was already treated seeds from the get-go that kind of flies in the face of all that too so i mean people are people run with what they're presented with and they pick a side and they go and it's just i you know i i've been isolating for 34 years you know so it's easy for me to just go wait a minute and step back i mean my dad he was a cattle rancher but he was a, a game warden Mm. and so he was in law enforcement my whole life uh he always told me don't necessarily accept everything you hear from a cop which maybe got me into trouble a couple times yeah but he was literally saying these guys are just doing a job and they're not always correct and if they're not correct don't feel you know don't don't hold back from kind of letting them know what was going on or whatever. So, you know, that did get me into trouble a couple times, but it also empowered me. And he always said, I mean, cattle ranchers, you know, you may see, uh, you may see a lot of ranches hanging certain flags or whatnot, but a lot of those guys are pretty much looking at both sides. 
and they're pretty much calling out both sides. You know, my dad always said, whatever, what you hear is not necessarily what's going on. So don't, you know, step back and take a look. Yeah. And that's how my old man was too. We were talking about this before we started, but like, there was a point, I don't know what it is that the cowboy got put into like an archetypical, like, I don't, I don't even know what it was. And I don't know what the reason was, but from my experience, they were always the, the, on the fringe. They were always the person trying to be self-sustainable, trying to think for themselves, trying to use their critical reasoning to just figure out how they could live freely with as little participation in the modern world as they could. And at some point that flip-flopped and it became like the Bible thumping carpet bagger sort of, um, meat potatoes, America, rah, 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 right down your throat. I don't know if that got weaponized as like an icon to point at, but I think Teddy Blue had it in his book, the We Pointed Him North book, where he's like, we had a hell of a lot more in common with the native people in terms of being a working cowboy running herds north or south to north than any of the, like the carpetbagger sort of, persona we were portrayed as on in the dime novels right like we had a hell of a lot more sure similar with the indians than we ever did with oh, for the sure. people that were represent or like taking our story and taking it back east yeah i think and and that that all i mean that's the initial stages probably those those little dime novels that spurred what we're talking about now yeah. you know uh that was the media then you yeah. know, I've always said, I mean, I grew up in California in some pretty rural spots and, you know, you have some hippie neighbors down the street and whatnot. And there's always this, you know, this sort of unsaid rivalry between the hippies and the cowboys. And I mean, they've sung about it, right? Yeah. But they're the same people almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? They may be running, they may re- be running a, a, a milk cow and, and 25 goats and, you know, whatever, but they're still harvesting whatever off the land and they're still a true hippie is hunting and gathering and doing exactly what the cowboys are doing. And that's another thing, you know, my dad, we had some friends that were pretty out there, but you know, people, they were accepted for what they were, you know? And that's, that's, I think we were talking about this before too. There's, and I think that's maybe what you're just saying they pigeonhole the cowboy into this like icon of some kind with these built-in values. Yes. But they also give them some sort of like, you know, the, Oh, these guys are closed minded to everything. I mean, the true cowboy is not no. the true cowboy is why opposite. The true cowboy seeks out this difference. I mean, I think because if you're working all day out in the middle of nowhere, you're going to look into this things, other window yeah. and go, Hey, what's this about? And, and learn and be wise. You know, I, I remember now I'm a terrible reader. I it's, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. I just am not good at it. I've talked to Jerry Giselle about it. You know, we literally are like, I mean, I'm like, man, I'm so envious, but it's just not your medium. It's not my medium. I mean, my medium is, is artistic and, and, and comes out of me in a different way. And, you know, but I love, I love podcasts and I love, you know, when I'm on the road, which I'm on the road quite a bit, I'll put a, 
a, a great book on and listen to it, which, you know, you feel like kind of an idiot about that, but nah. it's just, it's just not my forte. Just getting the information in is all it takes. And but it's, it's, you know, and I think I lost where we were going with that, but it's, uh, there's a wisdom to, oh, I know what it was. When I read the original years ago, I read Johnny Cash's first book and he was like, I've studied Islam. I've studied all the religions of the world because I don't feel that you can accurately talk about anything that you don't understand. And that's really wise because so many people talk about things they don't understand. Well, they take, they take on another viewpoint and they sort of hire out, they farm out their reasoning and just say, whatever they say, I'm in, on board with this person. Well, and that's that when you submit to whatever the newscaster yeah. tells you to And it think. is funny that Johnny Cash would have been that way, because I, I would guess that, but at the same time, there's, it's so, it, there's so many of those people that you would never, right. because they're not very vocal about it. But they are behind the scenes doing, because they're, they're just naturally curious people who don't want to speak on anything without kind of knowing what well, they're that's, speaking that's, on. You know, you're right. I've, I've been lucky in my, in my field to meet some of my idols growing up like, and work with some of my idols growing up. But then I've realized through this last few years that a lot of my idols that were maybe punk rock, guys or whatever they've grown up to be the guy they were yelling about mm-hmm. yeah and isn't that weird it's You've super weird and now. it really really bothers mm-hmm. me and <clears throat> it 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 bothers me in the fact that i can remember what they used to say and now i remember what they say i've had people say stuff to me and i wasn't you know we didn't we towed the line as much as we we could yeah uh, but, um, to get criticized by a guy that used to say, don't listen to what people are telling you is really a letdown, Yeah, you know? And yeah, the guys that were like, you know, screw the government are now like, yeah, do exactly a, what the government <laughs> yeah, says. They yeah, they're like deep state. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> rocks become like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just, you know, it's, there's it's, such a, a conflict that, that, that still bums me out. Why do I care? But I do care. It's me. It's my core, you know? So it's like, you know, to hear, you hear the gun, you know, you hear the gun toting all fearing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you hear cowboys are racist and you hear all this stuff. None of which is true. If you get to a real cowboy. Right. And we were talking about that earlier too. Yeah. You know, uh, I just, I think so much, so much is done to shut down, I mean, the cowboy is the original romantic figure in like we our saying, society. Like, the cowboy's American. If you American. consider yourself an American, this world is for you. Yeah. And it's for everybody. It's like a national park. It is a national figure. Right. You can get involved. It happened here. It didn't necessarily, if you want to get into the details, start here. But it, uh, it, is, the, it is America's iconography. That anybody can take part in. It doesn't matter what your background is. And for people to think that it's not for them because of something, some other contributing factor, uh, that's kind of a cop-out, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, certain things. I mean, I've had, you know, I mean, there's a big difference between a cowboy and a redneck. 
That's the, and that's, that's the always biggest been the thing. Like that's, hillbilly, that's redneck, paired, cowboy, you know? they yeah. have nothing to do with one another. That's it. But from an outside perspective, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like so nobody too. knows the difference. Like they, they think that Jason well, Aldean's a cowboy. You. It's <laughs> all like, sold to you as the same deal, you know? Yeah. And, uh, man, it's a weird world and it's hard to navigate and it's hard to, you know, I told my daughter at one point, I said, Hey, you can't post all that stuff about, she had a business, you know, mm. I don't post anything about anything. I think because that's suicide to your business. Uh, but I'm also not, you know, that's just, that's just a little bit of, of, of control. I think that we were all taught as kids by proper parenting Yeah, and like in that, a ranch setting, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, why pick a side? Keep, your opinions are your own. You can have them quietly. Well, to and yourself. that's, the, that's the biggest and thing. Amongst you your know? core group of friends. I've had that talk with why some friends so recently. Like, why do you have to make your opinions like even known yeah why i mean not that not that you're not standing up for yourself or standing up for your beliefs but it used to be you go and vote there. there's a line there and then you, you would get, come back and you wouldn't even tell anyone who you voted for because I get it that's if, your thing yeah if you get provoked into having to draw a line in the sand sure but to just be sitting around on a couch in the air conditioning comfortable as can be and throw your opinion out there that's not the time or place 100%. i don't think and i mean and it's funny that we're kind of talking about all this because I really hate politics with a passion. I do too. I don't even know how it's we literally the worst. It seems like it's it's encroaching it's, on it's personal life more than anything. It's, well, it's a trap, it's and it gets you now. in. You start to talk about it, and then you're like, "Well, what about this and that?" You're I right. mean, it's a trap. It literally. If your arc in politics is more than five years, you're a loser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for yeah. it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's, just it's, it's I all. I, I'm already done. <laughs> yeah, Fuck yeah. Yeah. I don't like to piss inside, to be honest. Crack it open. Oh, yeah. I love that sound. I know what. You need to go into Born Free. Yeah, we do. It, that, like, we need to go back to, like, your, uh, your, what you had going on client-wise. And okay, yeah. It's hard to concentrate in here. There's so much cool shit. I know, I know. It's just a gathering over years, you know, you pick up, you pick up pieces or whatnot. And I've actually been scaling it way back, uh, 
you move 2,000 miles and you start to really take a hard look at what you want to carry, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, there's a culmination, you know, it's funny. I said, clients will come in and say, how do we make our showroom look like this? And the first answer is, will you hire me? But the real answer is it's an accumulation. You can't, you know, it just, it accumulates. I would say you're, you're a unique taste in the world too, in terms of your eye and, and, and your taste preferences. Do you, do you kind of have some honey hole spots where you know you can go kind of find some stuff? Nothing back here. Nothing here. I really cannot find it back here. I mean, we moved. Waco's weird anyway. Uh, and I don't, I don't nothing huh? about it. I hardly know anything about it's just, it. It's just, it's just, it's almost, a, almost arrested in time. Uh, you know, there's a, there's something I couldn't figure out for the longest time here. And I, it turns out it's just maybe Baptist, heavy Baptist. And that's not bad. You know, I grew up going to church and all that, but it's just, it's, it's, it's been like sort of held back. And it's weird to me that I can go an hour South to Austin or an hour North to Dallas or Fort Worth and get any kind of food I want and enjoy like all this other stuff. And then Waco's just this big, I don't know. I'm not trying to put it down. I live here. It's a great, great hideout, you know, uh, it's just a big, small town. It's a big, small, it's a big strip mall. Yeah. He, you know? he said that when we drove in. That's how it felt to me. I was like, <laughs> well, there's a really beautiful good. downtown, but yeah. like nothing is happening there. I mean, <laughs> I some stuff is happening, Yeah, but it's slow. And I mean, I think there again, that whole shutdown of the last couple of years, you know, I mean, there were companies that there, there were businesses that opened in the middle of it and they're thriving. And that's, that's really cool. And I think that says a lot for texas you know these guys are just like hey we're gonna do this yeah uh but yeah waco's pretty sleeping i don't understand necessarily like, why you know kind of hit just 35 in general just seems like it's kind of got it got captured by a lot of commercial interests and it got the soul sucked out of it it's just it's- maybe but there's a lot of soul and you don't have to dig super deep to find it it's just we need people i feel like we need people to find it and i think that you know, as Austin sort of implodes on itself, you know, yeah, uh, and people blow out some of the creative blow out. I mean, they can we were talking earlier, they can go anywhere. Yeah. And with social media and maybe, uh, you know, some sort of a following people will your destination all of a sudden and people will come out there, you know, so yeah. that's the beauty of Texas and California. You know, I wouldn't not that I wouldn't, but it was a burden to go 35 minutes to see my buddy over the hill, you know, and Texas, I mean, my buddies are driving seven hours one way to go see a buddy for two hours and then driving home. Yeah. And it's a whole different mindset. Yeah. You know, um, it's that part's cool. Uh, I think Waco has no choice but to happen. It's just I think, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's days are numbered in terms of it probably happening. I mean, this was almost the state capital. This was a super progressive city in Tulsa. I mean, they had, not that I'm condoning it, but, like, they had legalized prostitution in downtown Waco that was, like, monitored by the city really? until the 30s. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty progressive yeah. for a Baylor College 
heavy Baptist yeah, what town. would you say what is the um, impetus for the town and why it's here specifically like what is its back what is its history do you know well, early on, I think it was, I, I don't know what drove it originally. You know, I've looked into that. It, there was a lot of commerce here. There was a lot of money Do you think here. it was cattle in the Brazos and everything? That's what I, I Well, and that's, guess, the, that, that's the thing. I mean, cross the Brazos at Waco is right here. So it's like this was just a place where you got supplies to cross the Brazos or maybe on the other side of the Brazos? No, I or? think it was more than that. I think it was, I mean, I mean, I'm guessing it was probably, and I'm just guessing, but I'm guessing it was cotton. Okay. Because if you go up towards Heiko and all that, Heiko was cotton and was high tea back in 1929 when the oh, weevil wiped the whole deal out. That's right. Yes. So I'm guessing that. You're but probably absolutely right. The uh, there's incredible like m money history downtown. You look at some of the old mansions. You look at you know that guy's. There's a house downtown that I absolutely love that has not been changed. I've been in it. It's an antique store that's open on, you know, odd Saturdays, and it is phenomenal. Uh, and I forget what it even is. It's like, it's not Egyptian revival, but it's something. One of those little things that went on for like two years in history, and this house is it. You know what oh. I mean? So it's a it's a real high-end kind of place. And that was the vice president of Dr. Pepper. Oh, wow. You know, so Dr. Pepper here in town, you know. Uh, I don't, you know, there's some talk whether Dublin or here was the birthplace, but whatever it was, I think they coincided by like a year. You know, the factory was here. Also, there's one in Dublin. So okay. I don't. I don't know. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. As much as I, you know, I love history. And, you know, prior to becoming a sign writer, I, I was studying art history to be an instructor. I thought that was the path I was going to take. And, uh, you know, I, it, it basically comes down to I drove a 73 Chevy truck that got seven miles to the gallon. And I needed gas money, so I had to gather a job to cover that to go to school and uh my buddy said i work for the sign painter you could take a paid apprenticeship and you know really yeah That's cover that money that was the why in the road wow and the, the biggest why is i had worked i'd worked forever to go study under a fine art painter from like the bay area named wayne tebode who's one of my favorite artists and he was kind of like a pop art landscape kind of you know guy and I was doing a lot of a lot of creative art back then and so I worked to get into UC Davis got in and the day I got in he threw up his hands and quit oh shit so after all this time <laughs> it was like this dead end and I was like Fuck. uh and literally like I guess maybe in true artist form I mean I'm not even making excuses I'll go to bat for artists all day long because our minds work differently than other people. You know, that, that people label slacker or you taking forever. Our minds just work different. So literally when that happened, I was like, well, I'm done with UC Davis. You know, I mean, that was my, that well, you was were there for him. And if he, that was my Davis, reasoning. So yeah. I stayed on at the sign place. I took this paid apprenticeship. I was literally cutting boards and, priming and painting background stuff and all that and then you know 
I've been an artist since day one. I've been in trouble my entire life in school for doodling or, you know, drawing pieces that I would sell the kid at the desk next to me kind of stuff. Yeah. So that step into sign painting, which, you know, I have that little sign over there that says, well, you can't see it, but it says sign painting the world's second oldest profession. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you think, I mean, is it legitimately? Well, sure. It has to be, I right? I mean, it has to be. Yeah. The gals that went out in the first profession needed some sort of advertising. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That, that makes a lot of sense. I follow that logic. <laughs> so, but that's, you know, so that's the thing. So I, I would say, you know, affectionately, I'm an art prostitute. Yeah. But uh, that was the why in the road where I went a certain way from where I was thinking I was going to go, you know, and it, it just sort of presented itself by necessity but you know it turned into a pretty cool thing too over time yeah uh well you made it into something cool because one can argue you were kind of swimming upstream for a while there oh sure from the heyday sure of when it was very well back in you know not to get you know vinyl stickers had killed the whole industry yeah, for sure so we totally had to cater towards and this is more of that influence we catered towards vintage drag cars motorcycles and boats custom boats because those guys all you can't restore a vintage drag car without hand turning gold leaf on the side of it you know i yeah. mean you can't fake that uh so that was our bread and butter for a lot of years so that also was the influence of what we were doing and what we were into to a degree um you know, Arlen Ness and guys like that bringing bikes over to us to have stripes pulled around them. I mean, that was, Oh, that's really cool. That was, you know, that's the weird world, uh, that we were in skateboarding and punk rock and motorcycles and cowboying and all that stuff that made me feel so weird as a kid, isn't that far removed. And there's a lot of us Colt older. Well, even you Colt, there's a lot of us, and I don't know. Yeah, but just sort of the cross pollination of I that think same it's just, mentality. I think it's just organic, yeah, you know. It is, uh, and it's funny to grow up on a cattle ranch and work for skate companies and work for motorcycle companies and work for pinnacle companies, you yeah. know. And it's it's uh, it's really turned out good after this time. I mean, there there were a lot of lean years, but I mean, you just kind of power through and you know equally the art artistic process it can be in, in switched up to you know apply to cover the mortgage yeah. out of nowhere the day it's due if you have to you know you uh -huh. just have to be creative and i think that's i honestly think that's what sets the artists that make a living apart from the artists that go and get a job somewhere mm. yeah that's a good point it's just being able to come up with a solution quickly it's like putting the, being put in the corner you just have to have a creativity that le like you can adjust to whatever situation you're like a solving or a problem solving artist well to a degree to you degree. have to be if you want to be self-employed for all that time yeah. you know i mean you really have to be there's not a there's not a rebate uh you know you can't just call somebody yep you know you yeah. can't get out of a situation unless you dig deep is there some hierarchy in that world in terms of like sign paint not not necessarily hierarchy but influences and like 
you picking what font you're going to paint. Like that's, that's something everybody today for the most part, just clicks one out of a list of a thousand versus you actually having to go through the painstaking process of painting it by hand and the shadows and whatever the font is like that. You have to kind of charge based on font and what you're, well, you know, I think what does it's, that world look like? you know, I've gotten to the point now, thankfully, after 34 years where the majority of my clients are like, we're hiring, we're hiring you to do what you do. Oh, nice. So do it. Which is the now, ultimate artistic place to get to. That's the goal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very rewarding. Now they'll tell me what they want. Like yesterday I painted a logo for a gal up in Heiko and it was a cool logo, you know, uh, was it that pinup? Yeah, like a little yeah. pinup uh, cowgirl deal. But yeah, then, it's, like, it's like this one I have tattooed, but she was laying down. Yeah. And had her little finger up like she was shooting a gun. Okay. It was so cool. It really was su- cool. super cool, you know. But, uh, you know, like I'm tasked right now to do some, do some stuff on a ranch down in Sonora for a big hunting ranch down there. And they pretty much just gave me like Carte Blanche, the eh? vaguest parameter. And now I have to come up with something for them. You know, uh, I've got several jobs going that I'm just trying to, my biggest thing is trying to schedule where I'm going because it's like, traveling. I I have stuff up in Oregon and Colorado and Idaho and Wyoming. And it's like, man, I sure wouldn't mind getting up there right now. Yeah. But then, you know, you gotta, you gotta plug it all in together. And that's the, the, the toughest thing, you know, you just pulled five different directions and you're like, how do I cover everything? You know? So, um, yeah, but you, how, you have to go to them. That's the hard part. Right. You know? Right. And, and people point. are always amazed. Like you drive that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I drive that. And I could fly, but I love the road. Yeah. And I, and that's honestly my real happy place mm-hmm. and my real creative place. Yep. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, watching your Instagram, it's, it's obvious. Cause anytime you're traveling for a job, your Instagram stories are great. Like you're always finding the coolest little, uh, off, off the yeah, map. Yeah. Well, I look for water towers, the, the signs, water, so it's towers. water towers. For you. you look for water towers on the, on the, on the main highway, because that's a town that was bypassed at some point by that main highway. Mm-hmm. So if you're going highway 40, for instance, there's all these little towns, you know, I've, I've run into some of the coolest towns just by doing that, you know, the and, old route 66 type thing. Yeah. You peel off, you go into that town. It may just be, it's put away, you know, people, people say the highways if you know, Walmarts and the highways and all the big box stores and everything out on the highway have killed these small towns. And that's true. But I also really think they, they've, put those small towns away for like a couple generations down the line to come and find them. Yeah. Because you pull into some of those towns and I mean, there's Rexall drug stores and yes, because uh, it wasn't worth enough for people to tear it down. So it's still there. It's still there. So you put them on ice. Yeah. yeah, And it is phenomenal stuff. And I mean, you can, you can roll into one of those towns, buy one of those storefronts, and the beauty and the creativity of back here is literally if I wanted to make a 1940s gas station into a house. Go for in it. California, there'd be 7 million different fees and, uh, you know, deals you had to jump through, hoops you had to jump through to make that happen. Out here, they're like, hey, knock yourself out. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the funniest thing. When we were first coming back and I was talking to some ranching buddies up in Heiko, we almost bought in Heiko. 
but it just felt a little too removed to go everywhere. And, uh, you know, it was like, well, what's property run out here? And, the, oh, it's X amount. And, but if it has a tank on it, it's this much more. And I'm like, well, what's the permit process to get a tank? And they laughed. And they were like, just dig a hole, you know? And that literally is yeah. it. Dig yeah, a yeah. hole. Yeah. I've been, you know? I've been very surprised to learn about the amount of regulations, uh, especially like in a town or a city in California, like the amount of hoops that you have to go through. Rural also. I had a friend dig a pond out there in California, and they fly over periodically and take photos. And really? they nailed him. They nailed really? him and find him big money. Yeah, so that's what's the, and that that's what gets me, and I I see it in Austin too a little bit, and that's what gets me. It's like you can have, you know, a crackhead running around in the middle of the street, and then you drive one block over, and the cop pulls you over because he ran your plates and and your registration's two months late. Yeah. So it's like you can have someone doing some crazy shit in the middle of the street. They will not intervene. They will not intervene. But then you know you're you're behind on on a, yeah. essentially a tax well, to the government they ain't getting any money out of that crackhead but they'll get money out of you yeah exactly and that's the well, kind exactly. of stuff that really bothers me about and the government it's yeah. like they let all this crazy stuff just go it's hypocrisy everywhere you look man. i had made a comment the other day someone sent a video you know i have a bunch of people send me videos all the time and some you know i try and watch them i try you know you, you feel i don't know i just don't push them away but there was a guy like busting in somewhere, probably San Francisco, which it's that's a real bummer to me. San Francisco is one of my favorite cities. It's crown such a jewel of the country, area, man. Literally, I grew up there. Our ranch was forty minutes to the to the east of San Francisco. Uh, I was at shows there three nights a week. I've seen all kind. You know, I saw Minor Threat play there last tour there i've seen the dead kennedys i've seen any and every band you could imagine yeah. that younger guys are pissed off that you're old enough to have seen you know mm -hmm. kind of stuff but literally we had that beautiful city right there and people tell me now don't even go back but there was a video because it's just gone to you know it's just become this this crazy i don't know because i haven't been back so i don't want to put it down but i also don't want to be let down uh yeah but I watched some video of a guy in a Rexall drug, you know, doing the same thing, busting open cabinets and just stealing stuff while 15 employees videotaped him. And I said to my friend that I was watching it with, like, what happened to the days of the store manager coming out and just nailing that guy and putting him down? Yeah. Well, that store manager now would go to jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, if you abide by the law then you are prosecuted by the law and that's what's weird it's like if you're if you don't buy abide by the law a lot of times now it's like they just fine don't worry well, about it's you. a it's that whole thing where at some point you they will pass a law that makes you a criminal even as like a totally straight and narrow kind of guy you know yeah well like, what's the, the people what five felonies a day on average is the average man the average person does I think it's it has to do with like quality of life, right? It all like this this is the progression of every civilization. It gets far too comfortable. More and more things that used to be a luxury become a human right, 
and then you're just slowly that gap closes to the point where well, it's just I, there's I, no I, room I honestly to go. think, you know, I wonder always if we're teetering on like the last days of Egypt or the last days of the Mayans or the last yeah. day. You know, you look at these civilizations that all just disappeared that were massive and vast and, and well yeah. learned and we still don't know how they did a lot of things of and they just disappeared. We wouldn't be. We're the, at the point. We you wouldn't know. be in the disappearing realm, but we're we could be Rome. I mean, we are Rome. I mean, it's the same. I mean, it's interesting things because, contributing to the downfall. Yeah, and I mean, it literally, yeah, of course, and and that's the thing, you know. You know, not to go back into the whole political thing, but real quick, if you erase history, you're destined to repeat it, right? And I mean, that's what they're doing right now. They're even yeah. changing. I mean, the history we were taught as kids was not correct. Now and they're it changes. They're acknowledging that, uh, well, you know, maybe this didn't happen. I, maybe this did happen. You know, kind of like, and it's. I, I think the best thing somebody today can do with the vast amount of knowledge that's at your fingertips all day long is to look at history and realize that nothing's unique. Right. Everything's been done under the sun and that everybody is just playing the same game again. And you're repeating it because you aren't aware of it. Well, and it doesn't necessarily, you know, I feel like we're all over the place with this, but like you go back to cars and painting and motorcycle painting and all that kind of stuff, which I've done a lot of. And you think, man, I had this epiphany last night. I'm going to do this or this or this. And you really think you've hit the nail on some obscure head that never has been covered. And then somebody, sure enough, will say, oh, some guy did that in 1968. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, man, but yeah. in our defense, most of those guys laying down all the crazy paint and all that stuff back in the 60s, they didn't live to tell us how to do any of it. Yeah. You know, because they were painting lacquer without masks and, you know, yeah. smoking cigarettes. And, you know, the guy I learned sign painting from, the fire department, the fire marshal would come around and check the place. We had open five-gallon drums of like lacquer thinner you know <laughs> yeah and he he when i first started i mean every night i had to sweep up four packs of cigarettes from him Jeez. every day he would light cigarettes off of cigarettes <laughs> and it was crazy that's another thing when you talk about the good old days like there's a dark side of that too there's well there's and what's crazy is he thinner. got emphysema like he was diagnosed with emphysema yeah and that's another thing about these old boys he quit that day cold turkey and died of emphysema that day nope he quit smoking he's still alive oh but he smoked oh, he four smoking packs of cigarettes a day it had gotten to that point but he started smoking at like 12 yeah and he was diagnosed with emphysema and he quit cold turkey that day and never touched a cigarette again yeah uh. like that's insane it is insane if 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 i i think people are influenced by how hard other people have had a time of quitting, but some people are just, they're made to quit. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they it, say it's 72 hours before it's out of your system. Yeah. Like after that, you're just bitching. I mean, I have buddies that quit smoking like 10 years ago and they'll smell it and they're like, oh man, that smells good. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird thing. You know, I learned enough, like, you know, I learned enough from everyone I grew up with not to even really start. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it's funny because I think, now I'm seeing a lot more younger people smoking like cigarettes and stuff. And I think it's because it's like 
they grew up it was bad to do their parents didn't do it there wasn't smoking in the house now you're going out you're seeing you know kids that are like 19 20 you well know, there's 25, an aesthetic and it's to a, smoking there's the aesthetic but also there's that generation that just didn't do it right so they didn't have that bad taste in the mouth of their right. parents smelling like shit all the time yeah, and, that's true. Right, and right. you know this and that and the other because that generation is like no we're done but then their kids like, are like back at it i attributed it to like hopelessness <laughs> <laughs> like, I, well, there ain't no way I'm getting a house. What the hell yeah, point do yeah. I have to stick yeah, around? Yeah, maybe like so. Fourteen dollars an hour. But I mean, you what? you you fired up an old movie, and I mean, there's a cool aesthetic to it. You yeah. know, oh, no, I mean, it's but that's all marketing for sure. Definitely right? yeah. cooler back in the day. Like yeah. you know, you see like James Dean or something smoking a cigarette. You're like, oh man, that that does look cool. But, but anything anybody considers cool is a marketing ploy. Well, what right. doesn't look cool is these guys smoking these big old canteen things <laughs> that look like they're, you know what it looks like they're doing. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, you might as well just smoke a cigarette. Robot wieners. We call them mouth yeah. it looks yeah. like It looks like <laughs> they're Robo doing something dicks. like that. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. It's, That's what it's Luke funny, calls them. <laughs> or mouth fedora, because it's the same. The you get the same sort of feeling. Yeah, yeah. Smoke but, a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but when no one's watching, he'll give he'll, yourself a he'll break. Partake when no one's watching. Give yourself a break and smoke a cigarette. Don't yeah. smoke that big old whatever you call yeah, it, because yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like you're the doing. The beauty of those things is, uh, I just think you can smoke them anywhere. That's why everybody wants. Do you them. have one of those? No, am I talking? Cold. I have one around once in a while. Oh, yeah, am I no, talking I don't. crap? I'm sorry. No, 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 I don't. But no, no, I yeah, I don't. Need them either, but man, I've had a few passed down, and I'm like, oh, all right, I get. I think everybody I get it. loves that they can just like I, smoke I it, it in the house and like. Yeah. Shoot, we were at the bar be... the other day in Fort Worth, and I was like, you know, it was a big bar, and the bartenders weren't necessarily right there in front of our face, and I just take a little hit, boom, yeah. I got my. Well, next you know, hit, and I hand it to him. It's you like, know, and I don't. I'm, damn, it's so convenient. It's interesting. Like I had a, we know this guy. We went to Japan one year. We were on the plane. You know, you're on a 14 hour flight to Japan, and this guy was smoking. Smoking pot out of one of those things on the airplane, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh god, man, you're a lunatic!" And the guy was a lunatic. And that's a long flight, right? What'd you say, fourteen hours? Fourteen hours wow. on the way over. It's a little shorter on the way back because of the trade winds. But um, you know what's funny about? Well, <laughs> my cowboy buddies are trying to school me on like the whole theory of like. I don't know. Some of those, there's a lot of flat earth guys in the cowboy world, which really? I still don't understand, really? but yeah. uh, I'm open to hearing it. You know, it's, I think it's all funny. I think it's all that, all that, all those theories are funny, but uh, yeah, it's a big flight. And this guy, I mean, he was, he was a lunatic anyway, and he's passed on. I mean, uh, popping wheelies on a Harley, it's 90 miles an hour down Sunset Boulevard, I think took him out, but um, that's what yeah. killed him. Yeah, that's, oh, wow. that's the way yeah. to on go. On Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. That's wow. sick, dude. <laughs> that is yeah, the way yeah, to go. we're talking about it. If that's you're going to be cool. a wild guy, that if, is the way if, to go. If I'm going to die, like, I hope y'all well, talk about was, how he I was, died on he the was, He was a lunatic, and I mean that in a great way. Like, he, you know, like you said earlier, what do I got to lose? You know, it's like, it's like growing up, some of the punk rocker guys were like, I'll never see 25, so let's just go for it. Yeah. Now they're all blown now out. Now they're like, wear a mask. Now they're all blown <laughs> out at 55, and they're like, oh, broken because of the decisions they made. But it's like, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I'm not saying that's the way to go, but I'm saying that's that's the way to approach that things. That is a way to go, for sure. Well, yeah. it's a way to approach things, too, if it's reeled in just a piece, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't, I've overcome a lot of fears in my life just by, okay, 
you know there's that old saying like today's a good day to die mm-hmm. you know you're not going to try and kill yourself ever hopefully but there I mean, is like um but if there's that's the ultimate if that's the ultimate sort of payment for what you're about to do and if you accept that then you well I you think you met Ethan White, right, at Born mm-hmm. Free? Mm-hmm. My buddy Ethan yep. that does all the wild stuff. And, I mean, there's a bunch of guys doing it, but Ethan just, like, will give me a heart attack watching him all the time, yep. standing a big twin Harley up on its back yeah. end or that Indian or anything and going, you know, 90 yep. miles an hour down the down the freeway on the back wheel. But what's crazy about Ethan is – you could throw throw Ethan on a longboard and, and he'll bomb a hill going 60 well, miles an hour. Well, Ethan's that guy that pisses everyone off. He's good Ethan's at everything. Ethan's that guy that his forte is anything action sports oriented. Yeah, he's good at all of it. I mean, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking poorly about him. I love I love everything he does. But it's just like he could get on a skateboard and he'll pull a four-foot air out of a pool and then he'll go get on an Indian and, and tip up a 700-pound motorcycle down the freeway or, you know, just yeah. do crazy stuff. Some guys stuff. are just wired that way. They he's, have accepted. He's wired that way. And I mean, they trust. You could, I guarantee, I don't know that he's ever done it, only because of where he's from. But I bet if we get Ethan back here and you put him on a on a bronc, he'd probably be fairly handy. Yeah. He wants to do it. He's been he's told me a couple times that man, I want to get on a bull. I want to get on a bull. It's like let's get you on a bull. Yeah, dude. he'd be had that natural yeah, no, inclination towards he, it. He knows he he has more, and a lot of that all that comes down is is consciousness and control of your body, which right. is hard to to get. And I don't well, really got, have it. He, he I think he's it. got that equilibrium dialed. Yeah, he's got it dialed, dude. And, I mean, it's bit him a couple times, but he's come through it, you know. Yeah, and, it's uh, like those guys just trust their instincts and their ability to a point there, where they're there willing was, to do it. There was a point, you know, there's – growing up in the 80s, we were all into skateboarding, and we, you know, all we lived for, you know, every period of – every fourth period in high school, I cut to go skate this ditch with my buddies, you know. And um, there again, the creative process of an artist, you can – you can finagle the system pretty good at the high school level. I mean, it finally caught up with me, but I did pretty good for a long time. Uh, but we were, that's all we thought about was skating and doing all this stuff. But then there was a generation under us that got into it when they were like three or four years old before they were scared. Yeah. And that opened a whole new mm. path. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, yeah. you have, you have guys like, uh, Mark Gonzalez and guys like that when I was a kid that were that were doing you know rail slides on the upper deck of the of the freeway in San Francisco that's like a 200 foot fall if you go over the top you're dead but they were rail sliding that whole thing that was really hardcore but then you got these kids under us that got into it before they were conscious of being scared that started 50 50 grinding like you know stair rails and just absurd stuff or whatever it is flipping motorcycles no one was doing flips on motorcycles until kids that didn't know they weren't supposed to do it did it that's a good that's a great point that's almost like the progression of anything that's new right it's like it takes adults to take it seriously enough to create the sort of culture and like the actual physical things you need to do the thing, say a skateboard. Right. And then the kids get younger when it's, they get into it and younger and younger it just and younger. That whole thing. I took my, you know, it's like That's I took, point. we would take these rural roads, Paso Robles where I, where I'm from. I mean, my, my hometown, Templeton, California, 
any direction you go is the best motorcycle ride you're ever going to go on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all hands down. And my wife had this little Vespa and we would go out and I'd take her down these crazy dirt roads and she didn't know she wasn't supposed to take that Vespa down those roads and she handled them. Yeah. And you get guys come up on some, you know, fancy KTM. Holy cow. What are you doing out here on that thing? And I'm like, she's handy. Cause she doesn't know any different. Like if she just punked the thing and made it happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and it's, it's what people always did. You know, I pulled more scooters, Vespas and Lambrettas and whatnot off of rural farms than I pulled out of the city ever. Because yeah. guess what? Guys were running, running irrigation on yeah. these little scooters because you could rip them down the little trench. Uh-huh. The you know, so it's like all of that stuff overlaps. This whole shop overlaps. No, that's a good Especially point. when it gets closer, you know. Hmm. You get out in the middle and you which is really now my happy place. If I'm on the road in the middle of nothing, this all kind of weirdly exists also. Do you kind of find yourself seeking that? I to do. just get yourself to the middle of nowhere, even though you don't know where that looks like it's not a place. I it's do. Like I a, mean, if I'm yeah. supposed to go, you know, it's a, it, you know, I did a job out for a friend in Oregon, a vintage shop, uh, big chief vintage out there. I saw that. That was really cool. And, the drive to and from was, was big, you know, three days and you're going, you're out in the middle most of that time. So most people's thought is just get barrel down and get yeah. through it. And I hear all the time from everybody, man, that's the worst part of road I've ever seen in my life. And I always answer, uh, clearly you're not paying attention uh. because you could be on Highway 10, or you could be on Highway 40, or you could be on any of these big highways out in the middle of nothing, or a two-lane, which is even better, and just watching the way the cloud shadows hit the mountains, and I mean, it's like an art gallery. Yeah. If yeah. you're paying attention, I mean, you barely look at the road. Mm -hmm. I'm blind in one eye, and I'm seeing everything, but I'm, you know, my wife said, I was like, how'd you pick out? that 32 Ford in that barn back there yeah, that yeah. only the quarter panel was sticking out of. And you're driving down the freeway of 80. I'm it like, drives my wife yep. nuts. Yeah. She thinks I'm going to kill her. Exactly. <laughs> I'm rubbernecking well, for it. Cause you know, it's there. I'm rubbernecking. It's like, just, you know, it's there. It's you know, just, it's, you're going to find something. It's just, you know, that put away America has always been a driving force. My dad, you know, like I say, he was law enforcement, but he, essentially taught me we used to call it urban spelunking and we would break into these like boarded up houses and check them out we weren't mm -hmm. stealing no but technically we were trespassing yeah but we were we were urban spelunking right we were we like were navigating through all this weird stuff you call it put away towns exactly it's all yeah. just put away Safe for the for next later. one to gather up yeah and and hopefully people are doing that because one thing you notice like it's funny the people that said oh you moved to texas what'd you buy and they all expect that we bought some crazy tuscan style like yeah mammoth something or other out on a little little two acre piece of that has nothing for me there's yeah. zero for me i literally go in these new homes because as a craftsman i know the quality difference we have a 56, 
mid-century ranch things uh pier and beam we did the floors you know it's 19 feet across our dining room we did the tile and from corner to corner this 1956 house is like under an eighth of an inch off level wow on pier and beam and it's just because men who prided their craft handled business and that's i walk into one of these homes same thing like i wouldn't give you a nickel for it it's built like shit and these new homes the customer is the one letting these builders get away with it by not knowing what good work looks like yeah also his reputation over profit exactly because you know if you built something shitty you were out of business right now people can just build a bunch of shit grab the money and it doesn't matter and they go to freaking hawaii like yeah yeah they're, yeah. they're out they're out it doesn't they matter are, to them they are like then, moonlighting you, assholes back then you had to live in that community you had to run exactly. into that guy at church you yep. had you had to see these people and so that's you, yeah. yeah that's you know i'm i'm so pleased with where we ended up because we didn't know we didn't know heads or tails from Waco. We were literally looking at houses, some of which, you know. And Waco's been a hot spot with all the with all the other bullshit, right? I mean, like, yeah, the Gaineses and all that shit. Like, a lot yeah. of people came to Waco same way you did, and you came for like legitimate reasons. Well, and a lot of people came for those reasons too. But I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily gonna. I mean, they shone light back on something that had been in the dark for a long, long time. Yeah, they actually. They actually kicked the ball forward on like getting this town happening again. Prior to that, I mean, you know, it was it was oh, and that's an interesting fact. Our house is on the Branch Davidians original property. This was their no ranch. Shit, this was. This was their cattle ranch. How big was their It was 1000 acres or something. And this was wow. And that's way that's going way back. I wow. mean, that's going back. This house was built in 56. They sold the property in the mid '50s after the big tornado that blew through downtown and wiped everything out. Wait, then when was the Davidian? The what's that? When was the Davidian? The big compound siege thing. Yeah, that was what ninety or something. But so they they go way back. Oh, here. they preceded that. Oh he yeah, he was yeah, just yeah. the leader at the, the time. The church is actually Mount Carmel. Oh, is the I thought road he was the founder and everything. Mount Carmel is just the road over, and their original church is there, and it's a mid... Well, not the original church. The mid-century modern church that's over here... I didn't know it preceded David Koresh. I no, thought he it, came Because well, he's David, I thought it was Davidian church. No, he came in, and he uh, oh. he got involved with them, but this was their working cattle ranch. Oh, I did not so know it's, that. It's interesting. This was sold mid-century for the sprawl that happened after downtown got blown yeah, out. of course. And that's why... You know, this town is very interesting in the fact that there's so many mid-century houses and some modern sprinkled in the middle and some really, really cool things. But it's because that sprawl was right in that whole, like, post-World War II boom. And, hey, you know, let's go for the moon and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what this town does shine as. But we moved into this neighborhood and we got really lucky. And we... I knew the neighbor across the street and I didn't really know. And I was a little let down because I thought, man, I'll go to Texas. I'll know all my neighbors. It'll be old timey. It'll be very cordial. You know, we'll take the, you know, cookies over to somebody or whatever, you know, that whole deal. And I didn't find that. And I have this cocktail sign, this old forties cocktail sign up in the shop. And 
I'd work in here and one day a lady stopped by and she turns out she's my neighbor from just down around the corner. She's in her 80s and she was like, this is way out of my comfort zone, but what do you do? I see the cocktail sign. What do you do? Are you a bar? And I said, well, no, I'm not a bar, but uh, if this door's ever open and that sign's on, you're welcome to come grab a drink out of the fridge. And uh, she was just super cool and we had a really good talk. And I'm really glad she stepped out of her comfort zone because that kicked off this whole deal. I was talking to my neighbor across the street and I said, we've accepted the scenario that people pull into their driveways and run in their front door and shut the door. And I don't want to accept that. I want to know my neighbors. I want to, you know, so it turned into this thing where we kind of asked here and there and a couple others. And we do a thing right here in my shop on Tuesday nights and it helps that Firestone Walker supplies me with beer, you know, Uh because, uh, as a brand ambassador. So that's the beauty. I have a bunch of beer guys will bring beers or Community whatever, outreach. but it just becomes this weird deal out in my driveway in front of my shop. Yeah. And people drive by and they're like, what is going on there? And, uh, I think it's a foreign concept nowadays to gather with your neighbors. Yeah. But it's well yeah. in all of our interests to know all our neighbors. Yes. And so, it's turned into this little social experiment and one of the guys one night left and he goes, well, see you next Tuesday. And we were trying to figure out what to call it. And so now we call it see you next Tuesday, which is great because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, two meetings. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how all the old ladies used to cuss uh-huh. out their neighbor. Yeah. But it, it literally is uh, you know, it's this cool social experiment that is happening right here in Waco and it's, it's open to, you know, neighbors and then it's branched out into a few other you know, clients and whatnot. That's great. And it's That's super very cool. cool. And that all came from just some little lady who probably knew she probably did that back in her. Well, prime. she's been here since the early seventies yeah. in the same house. So people kind of like, look to her to set the yeah, tone yeah. of what is acceptable in the neighborhood. And yeah, well, and they now, well, but here's the thing. Now they're looking beyond her, right? Yeah. Like you started to, they, they look beyond her. Yeah. And that's the problem. They need to look to her. Yeah. And that's the same thing with talk to all these old boys. My dad used to say, talk to all these old guys, because when they go, they take so much with them. Yeah. We actually, that was the onus for starting this whole podcast, was just trying to get whoever talking down that just has a different point of view that is representative of a time that is going away. And if we don't get it, it's not coming back. I don't see it anyway. Yeah, no, and that's that's part of my dictation for peeling off the highway all the time. Like, it doesn't always work with the bottom line but the beauty of open spaces is you can make up that time right i've been pulled over a lot but uh (laughs) you can make up that time when you peel off to go through a little town because i always feel like that may not be there next time i come through Mm -hmm. yeah because that's the american way Oh, man, that really cool 30s gas station. Let's bulldoze that thing. I mean, seeing that in California, that's 100% what would happen. Yeah. 30s gas station. Look how cool that thing is. All Art Deco. Oh, and the next day it's bulldozed and there's a mini market put there. Yeah, it's terrible. And it's just, Ugh. it's absolutely the American way. Our history is so shallow. Well, it's the human way, right? But then way, we right? continue, I mean, like- well, 
to a degree, I mean, I've been, I've sat in a coffee shop in Estonia in the fortified walls of Tallinn that has been a coffee shop since mm-hmm. 1400. Yeah. Continuous. Yeah. Yeah. That will open your eyes to yeah. us. We're like, oh man, I scored this super vintage 50 Chevrolet. They laugh at that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, going to going to Italy definitely like opened my yeah, mind like, up so kidding, much. Right? I mean, you would you would you would be in this medieval town, and you know stone walkways and everything, and then you would walk into like a little co- corner store that's a medieval building, and you could literally buy a pack of gum, and right next to the pack of gum was a Roman pillar, that the that exactly. they built the medieval shit around yeah. Roman ruins, right. and it's just there, yeah, and it's part of it, and they're never gonna take it down, and they're never gonna move it. Well, it's, because it's, you know, everything is gone the minute. I mean, we erase everything in this country. Yeah. I mean, it's worse on the West Coast. It is is horrible on the West Coast. Really, I mean, you would think it would be more. No, no. they don't cherish anything. It's out more there. like, oh, we should not touch this. They kind of don't stuff. cherish. Well, and probably you know that's the beauty of Texas. I can, I can peel into any small town, and it's like a time machine. That's one thing I liked about it too. Is like they didn't let Main Street die. Right. Yeah. Everywhere else, let Main Street just wither on the vine. Hundred percent. Let's talk about Born Free and all your connections with them and Give Harley us the Davidson. Born Free journey because that started I mean, in California. Oh, yeah. Dude, you were deep yeah. in the motorcycle world. Well, along the same paths, you know, uh, so many of us were into cars and bikes and all that kind of stuff. And then at some point, you get really into traditional stuff. Uh, you know, especially with. California is weird because there's so many nuances, right? You have these blown out like sunset strip glam rocker bikes and you have like the old bikers everywhere because I grew up around old bikers everywhere. Did they just land there because of the weather? Well, I think they were all out there because of the weather. They all joined a club that was out there. They all retired out there. Yeah, the weather. Gotcha. I mean, there's not a day in California that you can't ride. I mean, there might be a storm or something, but guys will punk through that, you yeah. know I mean? But I mean, the average temperature in San Luis County, where I'm from is, uh, I think it was 77 degrees or something year round. Yeah. So that Marine layer you're talking about just, yeah. it's the difference maker. I mean, hundred degree days all day, all summer long. And then, you know, 49 degree nights and you have a bonfire the same you got day. good evenings you got good mornings same day. and you it's open just, the whole house up at night you air the house out you close it in the morning you barely ever turn your oh air yeah. on it's it's the best country and it's so it's it's great in that respect but uh so gosh i'm trying to think what did i just 14 born free 14 we just did in california which is actually 16 i think years old because we were shut down for two years yeah and uh Two good friends, Mike Davis and uh, Grant Peterson, and actually a third friend at the time, Harpoon, uh, a painter friend of ours, were involved in putting this little thing together at Classic Cycles down in uh, Orange, California. Were you guys all pinged individually to put something together, or was it something you guys came with? It was, you know what it was? It was blogs. Gotcha. We all had blogs back then, and we talked about things, you know, it was just... It was basically an outlet. It's like a diary, right? You you post things that happen or things that you saw or things that you dig. Much the same way as Instagram works now, but you actually posted it to a site, almost like a website. 
And so there was already a group of people. I actually don't think I knew Mike at that point. However, Mike's best friends growing up, I knew for lots of years. So there's probably times where Mike was in the room. Uh, but I didn't, you know, we didn't, you were in we the didn't same have scene, the actual, yeah, same yeah. circles. So we're in the same scene. And I mean, it was hot rods and, and bikes and all that kind of traditional stuff. And they decided to put together a traditional motorcycle show. And so that was kind of a cool deal because all the other stuff was like, you know, you know, it's all that kind of cliche, you know, eating a hot dog off the back of a motorcycle, kind of slow crawl, all that stuff, which isn't necessarily bad, but it's what, it's what it was. But we all grew up in motorcycles. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. And I argue with Mike funny enough about this, uh, the connection between skateboarding and motorcycling. And to me, it's not, a coincidence that vans is a headline sponsor of born free yeah because skateboarding to most kids when they get into it in their teens or whatnot it's just a creative uh pursuit it's something you can do on your own on the curb out in front of your house you don't need a bunch of people telling you what to do you don't have to get you know you get better at it as you go but it's it's a personal creative pursuit it's also a community that you can get into that that if you feel like you don't fit in, if you're not the jock, if you're not, right. you know, the musician or whatever, even though a There's lot of those things rules can cross over. It. Yeah, it, it's, it's well, something that's another that you, big you thing. can be a part of. You, you know, know, I graduated 1987 high school. Uh, everything was super segregated back then between like, the rockers and the punkers and the BMX guys and the skaters and the surfers and the cowboys. And, you know, they all had their own lane and they all stayed in it. But there were a bunch of us that would veer out of that lane all the time and go hang out with our other buddies that we grew up. I mean, in eighth grade, we were buddies. Why wouldn't we still be friends with them? Just because mm. they're, they're on this other side of something, you know, and it was all this, parameters that were put in place by whatever you know yeah, and it's arbitrary. like those all broke down over time you know because, and i feel like it keeps breaking like well i think so I the mean, world has become like genreless as a whole right sure like it's it continues to go that way well you know it's, it's something i would say like think about accents yeah it's hard to find a true accent anymore yeah people say i have an accent yeah i don't hear it but literally people are like where are you from and i'm yeah. like what do you mean so that gives me away, but uh, I think that's nuances of how you say things more than say like a twang or something like that. But yeah, I right. think the internet has has righted all the accents yeah, we're, we're in the whole unit in the whole world. Slowly homogenizing ourselves. You yeah. know what I mean? You don't yeah. come into Texas anymore. When I was a kid, I would come into Texas, and you go to a Dairy Queen, and I just remember being like fourteen years old, blown away by the blonde like dairy queen like gal that was like y'all come back here you know? <laughs> yeah you know and i'm mm -hmm. like oh my goodness because that's crazy i yeah. know and it's almost gone it is unless sad you get out in the middle of nowhere and it is a bummer because it's that's sad. like really cool it is cool to have differences Nothing's everywhere regional. you go yeah Nothing's and so anymore. 
through the internet and through all this kind of blogs and all this kind of stuff, my buddies put together this motorcycle show, which we were all like, man, we're going hell or high water. I almost didn't make the first one because I had some, I don't remember what it was. Are we talking like, this is like 07 ish? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. And it was down, you know, it was in June. Uh, let me think. I think it was in June originally, which it's still in June. I may be wrong on that, but it was on a asphalt, parking lot and it was like the hottest day of the year it was like 110 degrees and it was it was gnarly but it it gathered the who's who in traditional old-timey bikes i still remember guys that came down from the pacific northwest that rode down troy and some guys that are not around anymore and some guys that can't you know they kind of came from everywhere and you're like oh my god that's that guy like you have a, a little bit of a knowledge of that guy, but you're, you know, you're, you're hundreds of miles apart. So you don't know the guy. So that was really cool. And it was, it was a little like sub genre of motorcycling, but the beauty of it, even at that point was, well, and I think born free has continued to do this. Now there's all kind of people that criticize, you know, as, as soon as anything becomes something, yeah, people are like, course. Oh, that's not cool. That's lame. And I've never understood that because the beauty of born free is you can have an old timer ride in on the craziest accessorized, you know, 47 knucklehead. And then a kid will pull up on a Suzuki next to him and they're like, Hey, what's going on? Like how, you know, it broke all that nonsense down of like, oh, I can't say hi to you because you're not on my brand or whatever. And, you know, there was so much of that uh, prior to that. So, but anyhow, I got, I, I went to the first couple Born Freeze. I got to know Mike and them pretty well. Um, Grant, I knew a little bit through the, through the car culture uh, and that stuff. We were all like little dorky greaser kids, you know, and, uh, Anyhow, long story short, I think number three, I became like the artist for Born Free and started doing these signs for the invited builders and doing some artwork for the uh, actual show. And, you know, so it's not my show at all, but I'm the artist for it. And I've been involved in it real heavy for all these years. Since the beginning, right? I yeah, mean, I've been to every one. Yeah. And the one we did in Texas last year, which was number one, what which... Was what was the onus for that? You doing one in Texas? Did it grow big enough to have to have a second venue and a second? No, no. It, it, it was a uh, uh, a product of the pandemic. Was that it? No, it was. Uh, they were approached by. Uh, oh, the Oliver yeah, and Oliver. Randy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. chemical, uh, chemical, chemical and. Yeah, and uh, is it Peck? Oliver Peck. Oliver Peck, yeah. Yeah, the tattoo artist. And uh, they were like, "Hey, we'd like to do one." It's out not here. Randy. It's it's Scott. It's Scott. <laughs> when he calls him Randy, he hates it. No, but it is uh, Randy, actually. I think. I think I asked him this year. I'm like, dude, why have I been calling you Scott forever? And he's like, well, I don't know. You guys. Well, <laughs> he, they're, well, they're all Fort Worth guys, right? From what I heard, he got printed in a magazine as Chemical Randy. So. Oliver's been making I fun think of that's him right. okay. about oh. being Chemical Randy. You know, it's funny because even though his name's Scott. So from my California guys, they're like, dude, his name's actually Randy. We've been calling him Scott. <laughs> no, and I said that no. to Scott. Yeah. And that's an just, Oliver Peck fucking totally troll, man. He totally screwed with me the whole time. He's like, yeah, well, my name's Randy. And I don't even know. So it's Scott. Yeah, okay. It's Scott, it's Scott yeah. as I know him. Yeah. And, 
and they had this this yellow rose canyon out there yeah and uh it's it's a killer event site you know and it's an event site that has hosted like some crazy events over the years you know (laughs) willie and all these yeah they had some like weird topless shit that used to happen there i think it was the first from what i understand it was the first fully nude summit in america or something yeah, was yeah, in like yeah, yellow yeah. rose at texas yeah, and, it, and it's way out crater. in east texas so like fully nude the, summit what yeah. does that even mean nah, just a bunch of naked people got together <laughs> yeah. and hung out man i don't know oh, oh, oh like a okay like a summit like a like a gathering yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well and it's you. it's so crazy because um it's it's really is a great place for that um and they just bought it last what two three years ago yeah i think oliver is a part owner i i know that scott scott's from that town yeah Yeah. and he was living there on the premises and he was just like dude this this sucks because literally it's like he's gone out in the world and made a name for himself and done all this crazy stuff and he's well traveled but then if you go to the little corner store you run into the guy that never left and is like dude what have you been up to and you're like oh you're the worst Last guy I want to know yeah. right now. Yeah, he's know? sort of by default got pinned back into his. Yeah, so he's gone hometown. now. He's Colorado, I think. He's Is out. He? Yeah, he said he's out. No shit. Okay. Scott? That's what he told me at Born Free. Mm. I didn't talk to him. Well, they have, um, but that place too, It's it's it looks like a natural amphitheater, but it was a crater, right? Yeah, it was a crater impact. No shit. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It looks so, like it's man-made, but a legitimate crater. Impact. Yeah, yeah. It looks man. Yeah, from yeah. what I seen, it looked man-made. Looks like I, an amphitheater. I just assumed it was man-made. No, I tell you, you know, there's a few things in the world that still hold that insane charm, and a lot of it is you couldn't even create it. You know what I mean? That firstborn free, uh, even though it didn't have the numbers. It had this freedom that you couldn't, I thought, did you think Colt? I mean, there was this, it was just this do whatever you want to do kind of mindset. So I was, I was. And um, for me, it wasn't much of a surprise because I feel like giddy up in New Braunfels Mm -hmm. was always like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never got to go to board free California. And um, I'm just like, well, this is what these like new era chopper shows are like. Right. You just go to a place, oh, you a little bit, granted, yeah, a little bit outside of, outside of town. You camp out. Everybody's doing some shrooms and smoking weed and and staying up all night. And you know, some asshole s- starts his bike and starts revving it up at fucking six a.m. and you right. start the next day. And like that's just what I had experienced. And then when I was talking to people that were there from California or friends that I have in California, they're like, or even Mike talking about it too oh yeah it was just like oh man this is amazing this is different like what well, presented we to- a real different freedom than you know born free in california and uh, up in uh santiago canyon it's like a 23 acre site that includes a lake and the parking and everything which is There's, crazy this was like a hundred and something acres yeah it's like 160 acres or something and like no holds section. barred yeah you know so it's it's and and true to Texas, it's like a weird uh, dry county. Mm-hmm. So they have to bring all the you have to. That's that was some of the the conflict was like you had to sign all that form to become a member of this club to come in to yep. then have drinks. I, they've got all that squared away, and 
you know, Mike and Grant last year went and they just kind of observed and were like, okay. And then they, I, I, you know, I'm not in in on all the inner meetings, but they're all buddies. And I think they figured a lot of things out. So I'm real excited for this year. And I mean, just the fact that, you know, Ethan White, you know, we were running around last year. We were surfing on the roof of a golf cart, yeah. super hammered, going down some stupor, you know, just you know dumb. Who, who I saw there, who I was super surprised, Kerry Hart. Carrie, he was our neighbor, and yeah. those guys were blown away yeah, too. Big D, Carrie Hart, Big yeah, D was there. Yeah, they were blown away too. Jordan's they were like, neighbors. they were like, holy cow, man, this is crazy out here. Yeah. And then the fact that they weren't going to get lit up for not wearing their helmet, you know, or something, it was just like, and I think they still did, but it's like, it's that's another thing that's really funny to me out here is like we, the helmet law came in when I was twenty three years old. I was never allowed. I, I had dirt bikes my whole life. I was never allowed to ever get on that dirt bike without a helmet. My yeah. dad would have crucified yeah. me. I, I would do the same if I had a kid, too. The minute, yeah. but you're right. And the minute I got, you know, we were buying Harleys. We were buying old chopped Harleys in the East Bay area that were old club bikes or whatever they were. But we were buying them when I was a kid for 1500 bucks. Yeah. You know, panhead, yeah. like an old chopped panhead and... You know, then we were trying to put them back to 50 style, which was hilarious because they were kind of 70 style at that point. You know, we were trying to like make them put cool back, and like, yeah. you know, all this stuff. But we were throwing so much stuff. But yeah, actually, Jason Jesse came to my came to if you know Jason Skater, like bike builder guy. He came to my shop a lot of years ago, and he was like gathering all this 70 stuff that I had thrown in a pile off these bikes, yeah. and he's like. Oh yeah, dude. Like I'll get rid of all this for you. Well, he was selling all to Japan. <laughs> yeah. Cuz the Japanese yeah. are next level, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like And we so it's crazy, but so born free, you know, it became this thing and it's just it's always been this real creative real creative to me uh positive thing. It took all the when I was a kid and you know, I'm not going to whatever but you, I would go on rides, you know, I would go on rides where they're, you know, you were definitely scared someone was going to steal your bike. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the thing always. So it was like, you know, those bikes, they just have an ignition and you kick them and they're gone. Yeah. You know? And so it took all that whole, I don't want to say club, but it took all that mindset out of it. You're saying that you were worried about like, who's stealing your bike? Like clubs oh yeah back really? in the day that sure. was the thing for sure you They'd go on the redwood run or something it's all it's all red and white and everything else i mean yeah. i don't, I don't wow. love to get into that whole I, thing I, but that, literally yeah your stuff will be gone any wow. any any uh, that's that's a big thing it's like and some of the old old timer one percenters like you talk the clubs will like here. go take bikes from people that aren't or they like, have or they have a guy that does it well there's an initiation you know, or, there's initiation there's yeah. whatever there's whatever oh to go steal a bike yeah. i mean it's funny my dad <laughs> as a kid some of my early influence was my dad uh before he was a game warden he was a probation officer for a while and he brought home these like these wishbone frames when i was a kid i didn't even know what they were and they'd had like the numbers welded over and drilled out and re-welded over and drilled out and they were obviously hot frames, but I'm talking in the seventies and you wouldn't think they would even like sweat a frame back then, you know, but my dad had these as evidence in the shop and it's like, 
all these years later, I was like, man, I wish he still had yeah. those. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got buddies whose dads worked in the Navy shipyards and they have all the right stamps, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, when we were kids oh, building shit. Model A's, you know, all those frame rails are rusted over and there's no number on them. So we would go down, we grind them down and we couldn't see them. And we would go down to DMV with like a handful of numbers and we'd go, I can't make out if this is this or this or this. And back in the day when DMV would actually work with you, when the lady wasn't so disgruntled and mad, yeah. she would say, well, honey, that number is taken. Oh, well, what if it's this number? Well, if it's that number, you're good. And so we'd go back and get, we had the star stamp and everything. You'd heat that up and stamp them all in the frame and register your Model A to that open number. Good yeah. to go. There, yeah, I mean, half the hot rods, I mean, three quarters, let's say, Three quarters of the hot rods in California had stamp numbers in their frame rails. <laughs> That's how and it should only, be. That's yeah, how it should be. It's hot rodding, yeah. man. Yeah, it's just keeping that guy off your back when you get pulled over, right? Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. I wouldn't even imagine they're trying to get registered at all. I mean, honestly. but. Well, I mean, I did run. I read when I was in college, I drove a Volkswagen Bug with uh, Heidelberg, Germany plates. They're right there, the plates. Really? For 10 straight years with no registration on the car. I got pulled over once, and the cop was like, what in the hell is going on yeah. here? Mm. Yeah. I'm all, oh, sorry, sir, yeah. here's my plate. It was in, you know. Yeah. But, like, they don't know what to do. Not no. anymore. They they, I, they literally don't know what to do. with it. I've run year manufacturer plates on all my vintage cars ever since I was 18. And they'll pull you over, and you got 1951 registration on your car. And the cops look at you, and they're like, uh what does this mean <laughs> and you know that you're just you say you're a manufacturer and they don't know what that means so they're like uh, oh okay well is everything cool like just making sure <laughs> like, yeah. you know they won't bust you on it because they don't know it well that depends i guess obscure. on what you're getting pulled over for right if you were being an asshole they probably well, the beauty like, of old cars is it's usually never speeding yeah it's usually you blew a water pump and you're on the side of the road and they're trying to check you out is that they'll they'll stop and check you out for that Oh, yeah. Well, they'll stop to help you, but then they'll go, hey, wait a minute. Oh, What's yeah. up here? It's legal. While we're here, they'll let's get legal. All, they'll always right. run your shit. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good times, you know. And, and most of those guys, you know, there's there's some good ones. Yeah, I'm not. Some. There's some. But, I mean, there's, you know, here's the crazy thing. I have a buddy in San Luis Obispo, California, that, like, is into old Vespas. And... He had like, and I'm, I'm not going to get all nerded out on it. I don't remember all that stuff, but he had like a, he had like an SS 150 or something that had a plate on it. And then he got this crazy rally together or something. And so he pulled the plate off that to put it on that so he could rip it around town and do it, like make sure everything was going. And he gets pulled over by a cop that was an old scooter boy Uh oh. that goes, Hey, this license plate's registered to an SS150, and this is a 70 rally. What's the deal? Mm. And nailed him. That's yeah. bad luck. Like, yeah. What kind of guy does that, first of all, that yeah. knows that? And second of all, oh, God, I, I have a hard time with guys telling yeah, me and what that's to a, do. Yeah, and that's a bigger ticket because of they course. take that as uh, you were deliberately trying to deceive the government. And so they, they take it totally different oh, than gosh, you. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. But who yeah, is yeah. that? But I like, <laughs> Dude, like you say. I just see cops as tax collectors. That's all well, I see in that is, Yeah, they are. Because, but it's like, because when shit's really going down, a lot of times, I hate to say it, I mean, it's not the case for all of them, 
but I hate to say it, a lot of times they're the first ones to coward. They're the first ones that won't deal with a situation that's hard, but they'll well, be the first ones to write you a ticket for the smallest thing. I have, I don't a, really, know. I have a really good friend that put the uh, security system in at the Uvalde school, and uh, that's a real interesting conversation. Yeah. And growing up with a, a dad who both during – we I sat on the couch next to my dad when that – Siege was going down here in Waco, Texas, where I now live. Yeah. And my dad was losing his mind about how the government was blowing it. And because he knows. And he was probably on the fringe for having that opinion. Well, I don't know. I mean, you're you're protect and serve. Yeah. You know, I don't know what happened. Boy, we're stepping it now. Well, yeah, I think I'm going to steer you turn. Not just that. I, I, I guess I don't. If you haven't earned your position of authority, I, I, I just, I don't like being told to do like you say, right. but I don't like being told to do from somebody who just kind of steps into a position of authority versus earning a position. They passed a test. They passed a test, you know? And yeah. that's the other thing too, is that now there's a, which is bad. is like a negative connotation being on law enforcement is that respectable guys that probably should be in that position don't right. want to be in that position because they're oh, like, yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't want this label yeah. on me. That's so I'm going to go do effect. something else. Right. So now we're just getting the worst candidates. Yeah, you know, and because a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't want to tell the people what to do. Yeah, that that's how I yeah. live. I, I don't want to. Well, it's so a, it's a these tough. These aren't the cops that I grew up. So the people decision, that are attracted to that role it's is a tough decision to. That's always really flown in the face of what, when I think about it, like. Why would I want to dictate yeah, why, what someone does? So then, like, because the people that think that way don't aren't attracted to those positions. You well, there get, used to be a there used to be a what they call the unhealthy part of the whole thing was the healthy part at one point. Like literally, when I was a kid, you knew not to do certain things, or you might get billy clubbed by a cop. Yeah, or you might get whatever, and. That whole thing has been erased. You know, it's 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 so weird. Steps of growth are being erased all over the place. No, you're right. Whether Everybody, it's, whether it's bullying, whether it's the internet, whether it's the whatever. You know, all these things that I grew up with, like being insanely scared to ask the girl that was the cheerleader my freshman year in high school to go on a date who shut me down because I had a mohawk and like, I didn't fit the narrative, but that's a growth experience. You know, I had read a thing a few years ago that 90% of kids at 21 years old have never asked a girl out in, in person. That's so crazy. It's I like, you're it's, gonna, true, it's real easy yeah. to text yeah. and get shut down and then be like, Oh, that sucks. But it's, gnarly hard to get the gumption to go stand up and ask a gal if she wants to go out with you and and the shutdown is is devastating but it's also a crazy growth thing it's i liken it to going to a gallery and being critiqued on your artwork or any of that stuff it's all devastating but it's all it gets you to a point where you're literally like it gets you to a point at some point where your customers tell you to do whatever you want to do and you run with it because that's your forte. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's in everything. Uh, absolutely. I mean, everything's connected. Everything's the natural progression of, of everything before it. 
and everybody's standing on the shoulders of the civilization before them. My, and it's just... I got bullied when I was in seventh grade by this big old kid that had been held back several years. And now that I'm older and realize that that kid probably had a really terrible existence. Yeah. But at the time, he was just a gigantic, you know, yeah, you don't kid know. that was like two years older than that. me that was messing with me. But my dad's advice was literally, and I gave the same advice to my daughter. If you're suspended for defending yourself, you're never in trouble when you get home. Yeah. And so my parents were cattle ranchers. My dad was law enforcement. My parents knew I was an artist from day one. My parents told me always that if you're going to be an artist, which clearly you are. What, what, what were the signs that they knew you were an artist? Drawing since day, day I could hold a pencil. Really? Uh, getting in trouble all the way through school for drawing. Uh, but to their credit, they said, if you're going to be an artist, go out and be the best artist you can be. And so, so many kids that I grew up with, their parents said, there's no way you're going to be an artist. You're going to be a engineer. You're going to be this or that. And they ended up like as a barista at Starbucks because there's a million engineers that don't work in that field. Yeah. But it's a, it's a credit to my parents and it's a, I think a real credit that rural parents would think out of the box like that and give you the permission to then go forward. It really is for a rural mm -hmm. because there's so much that needs done now yeah. for them to be thinking ahead at all was really sort of like, uh, that was awfully progressive of them to even think that way. Cause most people in the agricultural, the rural world are very hand to mouth for generations. Sure. For them to break that cycle and say like, Here's where we think you're going. What are some steps we need to take now? But I think, like we said earlier, when you're in a rural situation, everything that comes into you is knowledge, whether good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is. So as that window narrows over time, people mm -hmm. start to just stare at one thing, like you were saying earlier, where people get way off on their tangent out somewhere you know, and you're like, oh, those people are pretty kooky. But my parents were really good at walking the walk. And what I mean by that is I grew up going to church. My parents didn't preach to anyone, but my parents walked the walk. My dad's tractor mechanic, we went up to this guy's single wide up in the hills. He worked on my dad's tractors all the time. And my dad was looking for him and this kid goes, he's over there. And we went over there and his tractor mechanic was in complete address. And I'm a young kid and I'm like, Oh, what's going on here? And my dad was like, I think I don't, the guy had some total man like Floyd or something. Hey Floyd, what's going on? And my dad was phased, but he powered through it. You know, he just didn't even flinch. And he's like, hey, I need to get my tractor worked on. And he's like, well, come by Monday, Jim. We'll get it figured out. And my dad was like, and we drove out of there. And my dad was like, well. And almost not, not so much like the Bible tells you to love people, even if you, you know, whatever. But it was like, hey, who am I to say? 
Yeah, if some butt can work on a tractor. What do I give a shit? And that's yeah. what my dad said. He's a yeah. hell of a tractor mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we went back on Monday, and sure enough, he still had nail polish on, but he was dressed like Floyd, the tractor mechanic, in his coveralls. And uh, the world's interesting. It's a lot of gray yeah. area. Yeah. Nobody fits of, perfectly into anybody. There's a lot of gray. And I mean, that's those kind of those kind of knowledgeable things as you grow up and, and like if you really want to study the Bible or whatever, or you really want to be a good person or you really want to, I mean, you can't, you shouldn't be casting shadow on it. I mean, you should be like open arms and like, Hey, let's, let's yeah. work this out. Well, Jesus said it best. He's like, he who, what, what do you say? He who hasn't sinned cast the first stone. Mm-hmm. And then everyone stopped because they were like, you know, and that was a, that was almost like a contract he's putting forward. He's like, "Oh, if you think you're sin free, cast a stone, exactly. and then and then and then God won't judge you." And everyone's like, "Oh no, I'll probably be judged, so let me shut up." And that's just like a really good like. Well, why don't we just apply that to everything? Why? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. You'd be better for it if you did. I think that's a heck of a way to live. But my parents, my parents live, you know, walk the walk, and they literally told me like, "Go be the best artist you can be," which gave me the power then to. I had their support yep. and I could go forth and do whatever I wanted to do and get into this craft and, you know, do it forever. I mean, I'll do it forever. I'll work until the day I die. Which is another sign of something that you enjoy, right? Like doing what you enjoy for a living is enjoy. Yeah. But also I think, you know, that's the whole thing with self-employed. You know, you're going to work till the day you're dying. Yeah. The day you're going to die, but you're you're living while you're alive. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know? And uh, I see too many people like, oh, man, in five years, oh, man, and then yeah, they yeah, die. Yeah. And then they and do, like, cool. they do mentally die. They, yeah. they, they sort of, like I said earlier, they wither on the vine. They, yeah, you so. need some sort of a problem solving to keep you going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're in a u- unique position that a lot of um you know generations before us haven't been in to where we can actually pick and choose a little bit we're not having to spend our day figuring out how we're going to eat right or how we're going to survive we're in a position of extreme abundance as a as a world culture and it's people are going to have to inject sort of this um What'd you say? These difficult. You're gonna have to inject these difficulties into your life for yourself, which is a hard thing to do. Right. You are, but, but the thing that the point that I'm trying to make though is that, man, there's been so many generations that haven't been able to do shit. How many artists do you think? How many generations spent their do you think were lost to people rowing galley ships? Exactly. For right. hundreds exactly. of years, all you did was sit there, you shit there, you eat there, you die there. Hundreds of years of just that. You were a galley ship slave. You rode all day, every day. And so my point is... We is haven't even been around as long as there's been people that just did that. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a waste if we don't... Yeah, I agree. If we don't go out and pursue the things that we love because we feel like we're obligated to make a certain wage or, or have a certain lifestyle. It's like, no, there was literally guys that were, that were dying in ships rowing like you're talking about. And... and we haven't been the a country as long as that was just a normal way of life. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And we have so much opportunity. We're actually, and this is the way I think about it, we're failing them by not pursuing our dreams. Because we live well, in a time sure. where we can we can survive easily. So enjoy it. 
Take advantage of it. Take the risk. Do the things that you're inclined well, to and do. Do something that leaves a mark. Here's, yeah, do something that's a net positive for the world. Right. Every time I paint something, I just finished that big job in the stockyards. And I'm on a wall of the railroad building down at the bottom of the stockyards. And when you get up on that wall, you realize that in the mortar of all these bricks are all these other colors. So that wall was painted 100 years ago. But Texas has erased that whole wall. So now I went and put a piece on that wall that's going to be there after I'm gone. You know, it's like I look at that may sound morbid, but everything I do, I'm like, oh, that'll be there after I'm gone. Yeah. You know, people are going to maybe at some point search out that Lucky B brand and go, what the heck was that? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to tell my kids about you. You know what I mean? And like, that's such a cool thing is that you there, you know, who knows, man. In, In 20 years, I may be. At the stockyards, like, yeah, I used to, to ride here at the Coliseum, just like when I go there. Exactly. My yeah. parents met at Billy Bob's. Yeah. Like, that's where my parents met and ended up getting married, was at Billy Bob's Riding Bulls. And I go down there, and I'm getting a ride at the Coliseum, and I walk by Billy Bob's. I'm like, this is, I was literally born because of this place. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, there's going to be a time where I'm going to walk a kid down there. I'm going to be like, yeah, this, this is, this is David Bond, my friend who painted this. He's passed away now hopefully still we'll be like listen to this podcast that we had like that's the whole point of everything is being able to pass that on have some pride have some recognition have some connection to that kind of a culture and try to inspire the next generation to keep that moving well i think there's enough of us that are handling business like the guys before us handled business to hopefully carry it through and maybe that's the way it's always been maybe the majority has been over here soldiering Mm. while there's a crew of guys handling business i don't know but i mean it's it's funny to me the the friendships that we have with certain guys i think you said it on jerry's podcast the other day like man jerry's talking about how great it was to hang out with us and Mm -hmm. all we were doing was thinking about how great it is to hang out with jerry that mutual yeah respect for each other is what it's all about and i think we i think we brought that up too i think uh i don't know if it was during the the podcast the episode or afterwards but i I think we were able to say something to the effect is like the the way you feel about that is also the way they feel about that oh yeah that's why you're there i think you said well it's it's yeah it's a proper connection of you know i hate that word core but that word core hits it right on the head you know it's it's you know, core, uh, core all the way around. I mean, what Jerry's doing is incredible to me. Did I make a decision at some point to go a different direction away from that? Yeah, but the romance of what he's doing, that's I think about that often. Beautiful. It's like, I don't necessarily want to be doing it. I'm really happy that there are people doing it. And what he does fuels you as much as what you do fuels well, him. Well, you know with jerry oh well and you know we talked about earlier some of these things that come about that are really really pure uh that thing we did in turkey texas which i did last year with matt tolmanson and we did a big bob wills mural up there for uh lone star beer and uh thank you sir yes sir uh that stuff uh 
that stuff is really, really pure. And I'd love for you guys to go out there next year. It's such a cool. It seemed pure from good what I thing. Saw. You're in it the looks- middle of. You're in the middle. And all these cool people come together. The gals are everyone, not just the gals, but the gal. It is the gals that run the hotel turkey and all that. They're really, really uh, doing good stuff in that little town, and it's just, it's time machine. Uh, it's like you said. It's it's that put away town that got discovered again. It's a it's a somebody time picked machine. it up, it literally and shined it up. You know, I got to go up there this year and letter the Church of Western Swing. Hmm which opened in 1933 or something as a Presbyterian church and went out of business in like four years and then became a bar and then became a Western Swing bar. Which would have been right after Prohibition 33, right? So the crazy thing about that is I'm painting something that gives me the chills as I'm doing it because Uh I understand enough to know that I'm labeling this piece of incredible Texas history. That's awesome. You know what I mean? I mean, all those guys came through there. All those players came through there. And so when we're out there, it's just such a good, pure thing. This was the 51st year of the Bob Wills Festival. Same deal. Almost no laws. Almost just like... did we just become aware of it because probably you going or something or like these these maybe other artists did they put a refresh on in here lately or something uh when matt and i got called out by lone star to do it uh last year oh so lone star actually helped put the yeah. new fate like the new brand we did that big the- mural of bob yeah. wills and uh we we put so uh, cool. that's red, cool to see that lone red steagle uh lone star beer and bob wills music on that big yeah. wall downtown and that's the home of Bob. Well, I mean, he lived there for a lot of years. Yeah. So it's just really, really cool. And, and it's 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 a place. They don't know if they're the panhandle. They don't know if they're West Texas. Yeah. And there's arguments about all of it. But the thing I was going to say to you, it's it's funny. Like, we were sitting in this little tavern down there, and it was, it was Jerry and Scott and Tyler Terry and a couple other buddies. And these working cowboys were in there, and they were – they were tuned in pretty good. They had been going all day on these Texas teas or whatever that is. What is that? that Twisted tea? Twisted tea. Yeah, they <laughs> love that shit. Oh, man, those will get you, brother. Them guys will be diabetic by the time yeah. So these guys were tuned up. And yeah. we walked in, we sat at the bar, and we're just, you know, doing our own thing. And, I mean, you know, it is funny in Texas having long hair will attract will, attention. Oh, really, really it's, turn guys you're telling me. Oh, man, you're I'll tell you, right? Me. I'm telling you, you had dreadlocks forever. But, I mean, you like <laughs> you walk in the room and everyone it. turns and looks at you, you know? And it's like, all right, whatever. And, and so try not to pay too much attention. And we knew, we knew the ranch they worked on because the foreman guy that a couple of my buddies knew was in there prior. And then he left. And then uh, we're sitting there minding our own business. And all of a sudden, this one dude, like, pipes up and goes, you, and points over across to us. I'm sitting next to my buddy Tyler Terry. He's a working cowboy. He worked on the sixes. He's like, these guys have done their due diligence. You know, they're, like, vested in this whole thing. And he goes, you, long hair. And I look, and I'm like, oh, he must be talking to me. So Jerry's sitting right next to me, and I'm like, oh, gosh. And I think I maybe 
mumbled, you guys got my back, even though I know my buddies got my back. I know they do. I got their back. You know, I don't go searching for trouble ever. I'm not a fighter. I, I'll take a beating for my buddies if they're in the right. You know what I mean? But it's like, I don't search for that. And so I walk over there and I just, I didn't know what to say. So I literally was like, well, are we friends or are we fighting? And when I stood up, the guy was like, oh, you're bigger than I thought you And And he thought I was slusher. Oh, so he was just calling you over because he thought you were somebody he knew. Yeah, because we had hair. <laughs> and so literally he – and then he tried to, like, say something like, you're just doing you're just doing what we do every day. And I said, what, what are you talking about? And, and he said, you just take pictures of what – I said, well, that's Scott over there, but I'm a painter. But you're right. I'm doing what you do every day. And it's like he was – angry about it you know they were just tuned in you know so it's like you're kind of addressing that he's an older guy you say what's that older guy no he was young 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 hand yeah i said yeah we are doing what you're doing every day because you're miles off the road and we're trying to chronicle what you do every day because it's important to america and it went right over his head but the guys with him were like oh shit oh yeah." yeah and i'm like listen man i'm not there's no way I'm disrespecting you. And I said, if my hair's bumming you out, open a damn history book. Look at what cowboys used to look like. Yeah, I see mean, what role long hair played throughout all of history. And I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. I'll walk into some of these companies, and that's the first comment. And it's like, open a history book. Yeah, some people don't think beyond, um, what is that, Easy Rider? That's about, right. no, that's I know. about and where they got their schooling it's, on it's long hair. It's true. You know, it's funny. Even my dad, you know, he, he was, like I say, in law enforcement and whatnot. And when my buddy started coming around with tattoos and whatnot, he was like, oh, man, what's this? But Here then he, he yeah. realized that it didn't mean what it used to mean. None of it means what it's told I mean, you to got, mean to you. You got, you got 22-year-old kids and... Austin that have never been out of town that have spiderweb tattoos on their elbows. They've never been locked up. They don't even know what that means, but they no. got it. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean what it meant. No. Yeah. You know? And things only mean what they mean because someone says that's what they mean. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But it's yeah. it's interesting to me that you know, Texas affords you the ability to be creative. Texas cowboys are such a refreshing creative individual deal you know i mean that that whole deal of the way you punch your hat the way your boot tops look the way your spurs are you know customized or whatever it is is very very texas you know it should be everywhere it's gone away in california yeah texas is holding on they, they seem to be holding on more than anybody else. Everybody else is kind of selling out to the highest bidder, and that's what I appreciated about Texas myself. I love it. I yeah. love it. I mean, you yeah. come – when I was coming back here, you know, it was like I was the I was the outcast in California with, like, cuffed Levi's or something, and you come back here, and it's like, oh, look at all these guys. You're out of style. These guys here are Yeah, still they're on to the next. It, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, these – California guys are wearing applique pants and all kind of weird stuff and no, looking like at each other. Texas and has just, just like, enough personality that yeah. it pushed back and it didn't let themselves be washed away with the flow of goddamn money. Hundred percent. 
and they, they they go we we got money we made it somewhere else that's why we're here we right. chose this place right. because we have money not right. because we need it everywhere else seems like they sold out to the highest bidder and that is a major bummer you know it's that's homogenized that's, culture like we talked about earlier. right and that's the big thing i mean i'm not i'm not putting down where i'm from but it's like people say like oh you're from california and if they say it a certain way i know they've never been yeah but i'm not saying particularly even california it no, happened no, in montana but, it's happening in colorado oh, it's sure. happening in wyoming it's happening in idaho i've witnessed all of it firsthand texas sure. is the only place that's holding on oh they, for sure. they got just enough personality that they push back yes there you go <laughs> i gotta take a leak Yeah, that's how we like to do it. Well, I mean, what else would, you know, I, I just try to think, like, what would we do here if we didn't have microphones in our face? Same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think you have to be an individual to be out here. I mean, you truly have to be an individual to work way out somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And you have to be comfortable with yourself. And, you know, that's where... That's where the guys coming to town drinking the twisted teas like are fighting themselves. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're on their own all the time. Then they come to town. They're like, oh, man, I should probably I need to start problems with that. Well, no, you don't. Yeah, you they're know? probably a little uncomfortable with themselves. Actually, it's like I get what you're saying, where uh, if you would take us who who are very moldable and been around a lot of different stuff. The thought of going out and being by yourself and being completely secluded would make you think, like, I really have to be comfortable with myself. Right. Because, really, it's not comfortable with itself. It's comfortable with a different environment. Those guys are comfortable in that vi environment. You take them to another environment, and they're uncomfortable. Oh, sure. And I see it all the time, like, because I'm not happy medium. And I'll be with my bronc riding buddies and, you know, say we're at a rodeo in Elgin or something. And it's like, come on, boys. Like, we're hitting last call in Austin. Right. So we roll into, like, Hotel Vegas or something, and there's a punk rock show going on. And I'm like, these these are the guys that are, like, you know, they're working the local sale barns. They're working, you know, day working everywhere. And they've never been in a punk rock show. And they walk in, and some dude with earrings is, like, serving them a, a Lone Star that cost them $5. Right. And uh, you will you will see that that like what the fuck is going on you know and right. so I get those guys' perspective too but thankfully I'm there to be a medium and they trust me because well, yeah. we've hit and the I road mean, together but yeah they're just not if if I wasn't there if I wasn't like helping them guide if I wasn't helping guide them through these kind of uh, cultural changes they wouldn't react well and so I think what's happening in that position that you're talking about. Is there's no one guiding them through those cultural changes. They're just there, and then all of a sudden, they're seeing you guys, which is not really that big of... Well, that that is what kind of, like, is weird to me. It's like, it's not like you guys don't understand it or aren't part of that culture or aren't raised up in that culture. But um, there's just guys that haven't... They haven't been out of town, and they well, got a big chip a, on their shoulder. There's a healthy... I mean, there's a healthy blinders that have been on a lot of people's eyes in certain places where you go. I don't mean that they... You know, there's a lot of guys. I mean, the guy that will tell you, oh, you're from California, California sucks. It's easy to say clearly you've never been. Yeah. Because you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, some stuff in California mm-hmm. sucks nowadays, but it's it's been brought in by other things. But it's funny you say like, let's go back 150 years to this part of Texas right here. If you were on good terms, you were probably sitting out in front of your teepee around a campfire getting served drinks by a guy with earrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Real weird. Right? Mm-hmm. Because you had the Indians and everyone right in this part of the world. And that's what thrills me. I, I do this road trip. If I go up around, up through Memphis and Quanah and all that, you know, it's like, uh, and my favorite, absolute favorite book is Empire of the Summer Moon. Summer Moon. I mean, it literally, Great. I mean, it talks about right where we're at. Really good Texas history. And just it talks about by everywhere. By osmosis, by like just. By trying to just set up why things were the way yeah. they are, you get a really good dose of Texas history. But, you you know, you drive up through that part of the world, and I try and, like, part of the thing I do when I'm driving is, like, I think about check that. out Comanche. Like, I, I'm like, that's a Comanche Raid era house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's an old adobe sitting way out abandoned, you know, and that's, that's the crazy thing to me. You see it across every culture, you know, it's like, you see these old homesteads and there's this amazing like old adobe house and then like right next to it is some hideous like 80s brick thing that they put up when they finally made it you know and you're like man you should tear that 80s brick thing down and fix up that adobe because it's really killing the aesthetic of this whole yeah this whole place you know and you see it all the time i mean you go through navajo country and there's these beautiful brick or not brick rock mortared houses and right next to it is some terrible fallen apart fema trailer that someone well, everybody's put just there. a product of the You're time like, period in which they can get with i mean everybody gather your knowledge back up and get back in I that know. cool house you know we just did uh, every time i drive I, I go to see my folks whatever however often i do at least once a year but they're in durango and i go across the yano and every time i'm like you you and i tell the wife i'm like you know the Lan- this? lano for texans because they won't they won't well, that, Yano, that went over their head. Well, Lano's a town, I thought, and then Yano is the Yano Estacado. But I don't know. Oh, the Lano. Are you talking about the Lano River? No, I'm talking about the Yano Estacado, where it's a uh, it's I a stake well, plains. I don't know. I mean, it's that staked plains where, like, yeah, this kept civilization from going any further west, right? For hundreds of years, and we're blasting through it at 90 mile an hour. Listen to whatever with air conditioning going. Yeah. Like, we are so blessed. To live in this time. It's, it's insane what we do. You know, I think about all the time, like when I would drive, I just sold my old 50 Suburban to a buddy, but it's like when I would drive that thing around, I was like, man, this sucks. Or even riding that Harley or any of this stuff. It's like, man, this sucks. But I always remind myself, what did my dad and grandpa do? I do Because they the were man too. enough to handle this. Yeah. They handled the, the window. They handled the wing window in the same like 120 heat index yeah yeah you know what i mean they just powered through it and most of the time you know i think about old sign writers that were painting the facade of a building in a three-piece wool suit and a derby hat yeah the less you talk about it the less you think about it everybody's talking about everything all the time so they think about shit too much so it's 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 interesting how compliant we have become so you know, we're so used to just well, the having, bar just gets lower generation yeah, after just, generation. We're just totally used to having all Convenience these conveniences. Convenience has killed the working yeah. man for sure. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, it's uh, it's really interesting. But I love the history in this part of Texas. I I, I love following that. I love trying to figure out 
the history of this little town. I love. Well, everything's all of got it. a reason why. Right. And I'm just obsessed with why. Mm. Right. Yeah. So like, why is this here? Why yeah. did we not go further? Why? Why? Why did it stop here? Uh, this is weird. Lou, I, uh, you know, I was bo- born and raised in the hill country. Yeah. And uh, well, I was born in Galveston, but my parents were on the rodeo road, so they just. They pulled over, pooped me out, and we we, we went back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I grew up, grew up in 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 the middle of Texas, and uh, Luke already, you know, knows more history and about the area. I wouldn't area say that you've got stuff that, built in you don't know you even know. But I, I'm I am curious about areas. I that's always been a thing of mine. Well, and, I, and I too. You know, I you're not that. giving yourself enough credit. I do that with like the local history, and it it. It blows me away that this was the western edge. Yeah. And this was, if you were out here, Meridian. I mean, if you get right over, I mean, if you, if we go 30 minutes away, we're at Camp Parker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right outside Mahaya. Which is cool. Or Mahaya, if you're from Texas. Yeah. But right outside Mahaya, and uh, that's where that whole Quanta Parker thing, I mean, that's where Quanta Parker was birthed. In a, in essence, when his that's mom where was Cynthia taken. Ann got yep. kidnapped. Yeah, yep. so that and was so that's crazy. Reasons. And you know, it's it's interesting. Like I was working in Turkey uh, with Briston Phillips, who is a muralist up there. You know him? No, I don't. No. But he uh, he's trying to trace that lineage a little bit. He's clearly Indian of some sort, but his family stories talk about. They're in Parker County. They were Parkers at some point, blah, blah, blah. And he's trying to trace that. But when you get into that native part, it gets there's no record. So he's really trying to like actively put a pin in that thing. But his perspective was that those people, Parker, Fort Parker, mm-hmm. had been co-mingling with the Comanche for years and years. They had to have been. You weren't just out on the fringe fighting every two days. They had to have been trading and commingling and all this stuff. And something had to have gone wrong for that raid to go the way it went. I kind of thought that was general knowledge. That well, I don't know. I never thought of it that everybody way traded because with they talk the about the fact that they were just overcome. And the gate was open, and they were overcome, and the kids and the and the women couldn't, you know. But I think it might have been something else, you know. It's. Uh, I think it always was. I think it's the, interesting, the victor you know? writes the history, right? And yeah, that's, right. Oh, yeah. There's, there's two sides of every story. And the what? loser writes the songs. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I never heard that. I like that. True. It's dead true. Yeah. Well, you hear about that, too. I mean, uh, I haven't finished the book, but I was reading Nine Years with the Indians and, and uh, uh, you know, about a couple brothers that were captured in Mason County where I grew up. And, um, you know, he was the story that became the sun. Did you see the sun? Is it a movie? Oh, the Pierce Brosnan thing. I never seen it. No, it was, it was pretty dang. There's a few of my buddies worked at. Oh really? Yeah. I need to check it out, but there's a, there's a few, uh, there's a few books from different people, uh, during the same, same thing happened to them. Same time period in kind of the same areas of Texas. The other one is like Boy Captive, I think it's one. It used to be in every game. I, I just never thought heard, about it. It's in every gas station. Captive Cynthia Ann's like, ne- like, relation. 
I'm not sure. I, I could be, be totally maybe. wrong. I think. Yeah. I what, thought it was. Was it a cousin or a brother? Because there was a few remember. that got abducted at the there same were, time. There were, I yeah. think, three, and one was a boy. Yeah, I think that might have been boy captive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like, they would just sell those in, in the gas station in my hometown. Yeah. Like, they were just always at the counter. I yeah. never thought anything of it, but they Nobody always... Nobody ever does of the place in which they're from. Yeah. And I think you're, that's the difference. I don't think you're giving yourself You're 100% credit. right. That's all right. My daughter. You're it's 100% stupid. right on the fact that... Uh, <laughs> did she get scared? No, I think she's got the babies in the car, so she's got to keep it running. Uh, you're 100% right on the fact that people don't see what's right in front of their face. No. You know, growing up in the East Bay area on a ranch, it's like you could talk to people that grew up there and how many people have been to Alcatraz, and everyone's all, I've never been there. You know, I didn't go until I was 27 years old. Yeah, you don't, you obviously don't want to go do the thing that everybody's doing. That comes but it's right there in your backyard. But you, you know? just don't appreciate it. Yeah, or like where I grew up, Mason, you know, uh, there's a on the there's a hill overlooking the town called Fort Mason, and before the Civil War, uh, General Lee was over that fort, right. you know, and that was just a place you would you would go run away with your girlfriend, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> like, that's so crazy. you know what I mean. It was like a it was like kind of a spooky spot, but right. it was like not many people come up here, and it was basically a museum, but that was they had glass and it was basically open all the time. Well, there again, that's up a prime example of erasing history. Yeah. 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 Can't have that guy around, even though he was a historical figure here. Yeah. It's 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 a wild thing to just see what, like, relevance certain areas have and then just to watch them fall off into a place where teenagers go make out. And you're just, oh, yeah. It is, it is a wild thing. And, and everything means whatever anybody puts the stigma of it meaning, right? Like, everything means what people tell you it means. And different well, we're time just periods, it means different things. We're so complacent. It's like. Oh, yeah, that's that, you know, and you never pay attention yeah. to it. Um, but what I was talking about, too, is in that reading that book, Nine Years with the Indians, and you're talking about things going sour and and there there's like intermingling, but then also they're fighting at the same time. Well, like these, uh, you know, Comanches and stuff, they trade with the Mexicans all the time. Sometimes they go trade with the Mexicans. They end up killing them all. Sure. During that trade, during that deal, and then like you know a few weeks later a few months later or whatever it's like there's a different group and they kind of work it out and they end up making a trade but to, like just shit went haywire man i think it just well, just think about the area how- think about these this area before there was these arbitrary sort of lines of countries and states yeah and the people that yeah, intermingled yeah. i don't think it was much different than say doing any sort of deal now outside of the parameters of law-abiding like i mean back then it was law-abiding you were trading with your neighbors of a different but the law at that point was the division between whatever you could get away with so literally like if you go and do a drug deal with the cartel right now it could go really good or it could go way gnarly and you could all be killed what it was like exactly and you're doing it literally neck of the woods people (laughs) that are thinking different that are on guard and usually it's like, hey, it's super cool. It's been cool for 20 years. And, uh, you know, maybe you're dating the chief's daughter. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But next yeah. thing you know, like uh, Uncle John wasn't there to like greet the right guy. And next yeah. and the kids are kidnapped. Yeah. Well, I think the that's guy that was honestly the, what it was. Well, I think the guy right. that was holding the grudge got killed. And so the next deal goes good because he doesn't have a problem with anybody. And so, you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like 
it just everything changes. And so you I said it was just relationships, like trading relationships. Right. And who right. was in what standing at any given time? So David, one thing you touched on that I wanted to kind of circle back to was Japan and you being an artist. And I know, Colt, you've expressed your sort of, uh, you've expressed interest in the Japanese lifestyle. I wanted to see firsthand, like a David, having been there. What did you, how did that jive with you? How did, how did you like it? Uh, Japan is really, really cool. And that goes back to Born Free. I mean, that was the door that opened Japan for a handful of us. Uh, Shige, who owns Moon Eyes, if you guys are familiar with yeah. Moon Eyes, mm -hmm. who puts on the big Japan show over there. But that's uh, an American brand. So he, that is. And he bought it? He bought the rights no, to it? Or he, was, he, was give, well, he was willed it by Dean Moon. Okay. Uh, he worked for Dean Moon. There's a there's a character trait of the Japanese and they're very diligent and very tuned into what they're interested in. So Shige at some point came over and worked for Dean Moon, an American hot rod company down in Norwalk, I think I think it was Norwalk at the time, and worked there forever. And when Dean Moon passed, he I think willed it to Shige, like the company even That's though his awesome. son was in line, but he just understood that these Japanese guys were literally a hundred percent invested they're, in yep. that. They're going to carry and, it on. Yeah. And Isn't there I a term always, for that in like dedicating yourself to one thing. And yeah, Japanese I think there culture. is a term. I don't know it, but, that's but the fact that there's a word for it. the Japanese, uh, mindset, uh, yeah. I always say that the Japanese are better at us than we are. I've always said that too. They do because Americana better than Americans. They do, and they understand it better. And you know, we're so we're so convoluted with fifteen projects, and you know, we're going to get to that one day. And I got we're this obsessed car, with productivity. They're that, obsessed the with thing. progress. They're like they narrowed it into one thing, and they handle that. You know, they they could build the craziest motorcycle you've ever seen in a third floor apartment yep. that literally is like 600 square feet and they're building it in their living room mm -hmm. and it's to another level i mean when i first was invited to japan by moon eyes uh first of all that's an incredible uh thing to have happen but uh, an honor but then second of all it's uh it's 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 an open door into this whole other world and when you go over there i mean you're walking through the streets of tokyo you'll see like knuckleheads in front of shops and stuff and by the time that knucklehead that american knucklehead makes it to japan it's a whole nother level that's a hundred thousand dollar motor i mean now probably more but uh so we went over uh first year i think i've been six times now we go with a handful of buddies that are selected to go. They'll pick people to go. So our show, uh, the show that I do the art for, Born Free, they'll pick two, I think, bikes, invited builders to take to Japan. They cover them and bring them, and they're in the show and all that. And Shige will go around to all the shows in America and all, Indonesia and all these places and bring in certain builders and cars and all this stuff it's like an invite only kind of show but it's the best stuff in the world it's next level on mm -hmm. so many levels it really is yeah and i mean 
you'll see stuff that maybe in America is sacrilege or maybe in Germany is sacrilege, but guys are taking, you know, like, I don't know. I saw a Hebeler, if you know what that is, which is a German era Volkswagen Roadster crazy money that was fully cow looked and slammed on the ground and had a big motor in it and all this great like that's sacrilege on a million different levels but when you're looking at it it's next level by a million years yeah. you know their um, over the top is so much different like we'll build an over the top bike over here what we would consider over the top and it's just like crazy paint crazy coatings it's a lot of like color crazy colors crazy coatings this and that when they build a over-the-top bike in japan it's like handcrafted parts and like overall right. i'll look at it i'm like i wouldn't build that bike i don't even like the style of that bike but the more i look at it the more i find and the more craftsmanship i see and i get it it's like this is not what i would do but when you guys do something over the top, you do it over the top in the most craftsmanship yeah, sort of way. You can appreciate, regardless of your taste, the craftsmanship involved. A hundred percent. We're totally in America governed by parameters. Yep. We can't, you know, I always say we can't build a 60s style hot rod or bike, but then incorporate 30s style whatever on it or you know vice mm -hmm. versa we can't do a 30s car but do 60 style lowrider panels on it but the japanese you know we were all out of ideas you know every idea had been covered it seems like the japanese threw it all in a bag shook it up and it came out as hey we're gonna do a, a 29 roadster with 60s panels on it lace panels and all this crazy stuff they mixed Every parameter up. Japanese because and it became, they it became a progression in the fact that they were like the first ones to literally go, Hey, we don't care about your rules. We're going to incorporate everything in this build. And I mean, they've done that on every single aspect. And I mean, I think that's the thing after world war two, when, you know, we pretty much shut them down, they came back and they were like, okay, we're going to rebuild Japan and we're going to rebuild it in a way that everyone is a master no matter what you do now hopefully it's changing but for the longest time my buddies that are bike builders and whatnot in japan are totally looked down and almost shunned by their parents as like you're not doing something honorable to our family yeah but they're building insane stuff well they know? come over here and they're a big deal and a lot of those guys drift over into like los angeles like brat right. style and yeah and all the guys Maza, that, yeah yeah all the guys that you know um who's the other one he's very like eclectic and how he builds stuff um uh, oh shabbat yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah and these are guys that are building bikes for brad pitt and these different guys like that you know and so well they those reinvented guys that whole thing i mean they took everything you think about that that's they took raked out like long bikes and they de-raked them and they put like traditional pieces on those. And I know I'm simplifying the whole thing and someone, some motorcycle guy is going to be like, Oh man, that's not right. But basically they flipped it on its head mm -hmm. and what they did with like, you know, uh, brat style became a whole thing that brat was somewhere between like cafe racer and chopper. Yeah. I'm building a brat style bike like right now and that's what's so crazy is 
Rat Style is actually a brand. It's a brand name. Well, and Go is amazing. Yeah. Everything he does, you know. It's did like, you do the artwork? I feel like the only reason I know Brad Style is because I saw a piece I of did, art you did. I did it. some cowboy. Now, th this is how the world works in a really weird way. Like, when I go to Japan in my big five-inch brim American hat, and I'm six foot three, and, you know, you're just doing what we do normal in Texas – they trip out a little bit and everyone's kind of catching a glance, but everyone's so reverent. They're not going to be in, you know, like in your face or whatever. But, um, so the cowboy thing forever was not really in Japan. I don't think, but now it's starting to hit in Japan. So a couple of years ago I did for go, uh, at Brat Style, I did like a, a cool old timey cowboy kind of looking over his shoulder. Yeah, I think that's what I saw on a on an old chopper, kind of shooting behind him, and uh, that was for the Yokohama show, and uh, it was a cool design, and it just kind of incorporated everything in, you know. Um, yeah, it was something I wanted to be like. I wanted to buy a T-shirt with that on it, but I had no idea what brat style meant or that it yeah. was its own brand yeah or its and own i mean style they body. literally i mean that's that's just the beauty of the whole thing the the name brat style is almost funny but it's you know it's like anytime you get a japanese shirt and they put it in english and the punctuation's not necessarily correct but there's something endearing about that because they're they're so vested in that you know what i mean that they're trying to really and i mean it it, it almost transcends authenticity. It's beyond it. It's somewhere beyond it. It's yeah, crazy. like you said, I, it almost is reverence for something oh, a, and trying a, their best at I mean, I've, that. I've crossed at, uh, uh, what is that? Shoot, I'm losing my, losing what it's called. But there's that crossing in Tokyo that's famous. It's on everything. I've crossed at that, and there's... 50,000 people crossing that street and you will not be bumped by a, a single person. It's like there's almost radar and people are just rolling around you. It's crazy. Yeah, I just but it's, show it's, how important culture is. It's, you know, it's a lot like the chivalry we learn as in the Western world, but it's just adopted to that part of the world. You know, like people are really going out of their way. Their own version to, almost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. chivalry but, but, comes but from goes, like, knights and stuff and died after the hundred years sure. war and whatnot sure. so it's like they developed their own and, and and japan being what it is it's almost like a um it's not a hermit kingdom in the sense of like a north korea but is a hermit it is an island and islands mm. do yeah. very yeah. much keep their culture intact because they are so limited with their influences and they work on it yeah you know they work on it this whole last like through the last few years they just shut japan down they're like we're not going to deal with this foreign disease yeah like that's gnarly. That doesn't. That flies in the face of everything we're being told about everything yeah. else. But they get a go on it. Yeah. And and you know, so they. I haven't been since that whole deal. Um, I'm looking forward to going this year. I think a bunch of buddies are going this year. I want to go. So that's um, that's like a life goal. Yeah, you've always of mine. said that's like it's literally uh, cult. It's next level. I have to go. I mean, it is next level. I mean, born free. I would love for you to go born free California. Yeah. Because. The beauty of Born Free is we have 35 builders that build bikes specifically for the show. Yeah. And, you know, people, 
people will talk that down, but we've had we've had guys literally. We had a guy a couple of years ago that came from. Uh, uh shoot what was his name uh ringo from sweden i think yeah he he built a husqvarna twin i think it was a husqvarna i hope i'm right husqvarna twin chopper oh, i think i saw that yeah. okay cool what uh, you On know like husqvarna twin like cool yeah fucking really cool although husqvarna never made a twin it was a blueprint oh where he he made it he made based off the blueprint off right. of their specs the entire oh. motor of something they never produced a concept that, that was never brought to and reality not only that he brought the top end over in his bag got hung up at at customs cuz they were like what the hell is all this stuff and then came into orange california at the hotel and put the top end on this bike that he built and fired the damn sucker the next day. There's some crazy shit that happens there. There was that guy that that built that um, bike uh, where he the frame is like laser cut and he bolted it together. Mm-hmm. And the starter on that bike is like an old uh, what the fuck is that? Where That's an cr- old idea, but it's where he like cranks that, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he cranks it's like it up. A siren, and then it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it kicks over the. There's just some weird shit that I don't I don't understand at all. Just like that two cylinder husky. Like I could be like, oh, that's fucking cool. I have no idea that. That, but then when that you know the story, he's got the only one of those yeah. in the world. Although it was a factory drawing. Hmm. And, and he just molded it. Was it was a flathead Husqvarna, like from the 40s, like wow. a 1940 blueprint. So is that blueprint sought after as equally as if that thing would have gone to production? No. I mean, I don't, I, I mean it's so obscure. You're just like... What what you're dealing well, with? How do you get your hands is, on that blueprint? Well, I mean, he got. I mean, you you can get it. I think. Oh, okay. But I think it's that level of craftsmanship doesn't exist anywhere else. I mean, you're you're bringing together the best craftsmen in the world. I mean, Wait. what you do with metal and stuff blows my mind. But I don't care that much, dude. I don't care that much to dig that deep into it, and that. That's no, and I'm not saying, but I mean, to build, you know, for anyone to ever say, oh, this is dumb and these guys and it's all this. Come on. If you're building a motor from scratch, it, like even your stuff, I've told you forever. Your stuff, all your metal work is out of this world. If you, you'd fit right in. But I mean, that's the level of so many of those builds. And that's what goes to Japan. Yeah. And that's what fits in with the aesthetic of what Japan's already doing. You know, you're like, oh my gosh. And Japan, every aspect is art. The manhole cover, the doorknob, the yeah. way they frame out something. You know, I go over with some buddies that are car guys and they're carpenters. Yeah. And they're like, holy To see that level cow. of craftsmanship in their architecture and their houses and their. Yeah. But they've taken it down too. Like, there will be finished walls that are press board. What we hide. Yeah. They will use thresholds for doors that are three quarter inch ply with the stamp on it from the Pacific Northwest or wherever it is. And they'll use that as artwork as yeah. the threshold. Yeah. We're hiding all that. We're yeah. putting all that in molding. We're not going to show that press board wall stained. We're not going to do this or that. There was a corner in, in uh, Harajuku that was tiny. It was right across from the Deus uh, Machina, Machina yeah. place. Ex Machina, you think? And uh, 
we went there for like three or four years. There was nothing in this little tiny corner. And it was where two streets came in at like a, to a point to this intersection. And then we came back a few years later and they had taken what we call sea trains in California, but storage containers, like, you know, the, yeah, the, the Connex, C-cans. Connex yeah. yeah. And they had taken the biggest one and tipped it on its end and then taken a smaller one and cantilevered it over the intersection, 40 feet in the air. And you would go up a spiral staircase to a coffee shop. How'd they hung. offset that cantilever? They had it all... Yeah, yeah. anchor it. Anchor it. That's the beauty of Japan. There, huh? Therein lies the question. Yeah. How did they do it? Hmm. But they did it on that little piece of property. And they were like, hey, cool. So they had an eight and, by eight, six footprint on the ground. But they went up and then 40, 40 yeah, feet up a, and 40 feet uh, over an intersection. Was a sty, uh, over a an spiral eight staircase eight. all the way up to a coffee shop that hung over the intersection. And ostensibly they had, an, say, a 10 by 10 piece of land that they could build that on. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. And it's crazy. So, like, that would never fly in America. That would never fly for sure in California. But in Japan, it flies because, hey, man, it's, it's over-engineered. It's not going to go anywhere. So you think, you think about all that and how they've rethought everything. Yeah, and they've had to become sort of – they've been a product of a island community, which right. ultimately has to build up and cannot build out. Right. I just don't feel like we're rewarded that much in the states for thinking outside the box to, to that degree. Yeah, to that there's degree. There's a there's a threshold that well, counts I think as craftsmanship. That goes back to from what I understand after World War II, they were like we're going to rebuild this country in the best way possible. And I think almost that they took that samurai mindset like we're going to be masters at whatever we do. And to a degree, I think they maybe put you on the dole so you can learn your master's gotcha. status. And then when you go forth, you're 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 uh, tasked with making the best you can make. Yeah. In whatever realm that is in. If you're a motorcycle builder, you're going to build crazy motorcycles. Yeah. If you're a car builder, if you're a clothing company, you're going to build better American vintage than we ever mm-hmm. saw in history well they built the even from the big factories like you know uh yamaha even yamaha's like music gear um i mean i play a yamaha kit right now it's like they make some of the best music gear they make some of the best cars they make uh the best motorcycles like so well, think mu- about think about that lineage yeah yamaha mm-hmm. think about the lineage you know i drive a tundra because i drive so many miles and that you know theoretically <laughs> is a million mile truck yeah you know uh i had to knock on wood because i was raised in a ranch family yeah. <laughs> but literally uh when i bought that tender i was waiting for the uh diesel who yeah. invented the diesel mercedes and toyota in the 30s yeah who owns it those two why aren't they allowed to come to America? Well, it probably has something to do with the big three and a bunch of like. Well, mm. Rudolph Diesel built that thing to run off of peanut oil. Yeah. If anything, he right. disappeared in the English Channel somewhere. Oh, of course. It's the thing you talked about what earlier. about the with guy like, with the water motor? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He disappeared outside of Vegas somewhere. <laughs> but what you were talking about, and, and this blew my mind kind of. I was watching something. I don't know what, but it was about, you know, medieval culture in Europe. And um, your, your status didn't lie laterally what you did 
had a sliding scale north and south, not east and west. Right. If you're a carpenter, you weren't down. What level of carpenter are you? And you could be in the aristocracy sure. with that trade. And that sure. seems like that sort of Japan maybe mastered that and brought it into the modern age. Well, I think it's, you know, they definitely cherish the craftsmen. They cherish, you know, they're, they're so city oriented that the whole mindset of like cowboy culture doesn't even necessarily exist how, yeah, but how the ones it? that like can imagine it are blown away by it yeah you know well they and can't comprehend the amount of just nothing space we have in this country right which is unique to a few countries us being one of them for sure i mean if you're if you're ranching in japan Sweden. you're if if you're ranching in Japan, you're feeding sake to your uh, steers and giving them massages every day, yeah, and you know calling it Kobe, yeah. you know it's yeah. a whole different world. But um, yeah, it's a it's just a real it's a compliment to us, yeah. When it, you go over there, because they're very reverent people. They've they've mastered us they enhance us and i mean like i i can't you gotta go colt because literally you'll go into a coffee shop and be blown away yeah holy cow look how they built this or holy cow look at that bike sitting out front or oh my god mm -hmm. because that's real commitment to have a knucklehead sitting on the you know on the street in tokyo yeah it really is. That's not, I mean, it's commitment here, but it's real commitment there. You that, know, that's, that's a, you could buy a house in Waco for what that's. Oh worth. my God. <laughs> you could buy three houses, 10 houses in Waco, but that's cool. Yeah. It's a good time. It it's just great. goes to show how much culture has to do with like the way everything sort of leaks through every generation. Right. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's just, it's art for art's sake and you know yeah who cares the the reason be damned art for art's sake is yeah. a worthy pursuit exactly yeah exactly hmm. well um this has been great as good as i uh imagined it but um <laughs> give us your plugs your uh Instagram. thanks for having us in waco by the way yeah yes, we're sir. in the shop thanks yeah. for coming up here in the shop uh lucky bee design uh, on the Instagram and luckybeedesign at gmail.com. That's my plugs. Reach out. Get some uh, sign writing slash designing done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is cool. I feel like we've been all over the place, but hopefully it comes together. Well, <laughs> that, we'll see. That, <laughs> we have been all over the place. Yeah, but those are like, that. that's kind of what we do. Like this, if, if we're talking off mic and him and I like, I tried to put music on on the way over here. It's hour forty five minutes. Yeah, eventually shut it off. Like we just talk. Yeah, you know, and we go all over. We're not the place. at a loss for words. We find no. interesting people very interesting, and it, it goes different tangents. Well, I think I think within I think within this state, there's some core people that hopefully I've chimed in with. You know, it's like it's like anywhere. You know, it's just there's some real find your people. Yeah, there's some real people uh, that understand. I mean, there's there's some wi some wise people everywhere, you know, in in everything we love. So cool. Well, it's cool, man. It's and it's good to have you here and you bring in your perspective from, especially me being in that you know motorcycle industry. And and just seeing you're coming from the mecca, 
you know, and having your perspective and who you know and, you know, having your perspective from going to Japan and seeing all that. And I've, I've been down that wormhole and I understand, like, what those guys are capable of on the craftsmanship level. And uh, it's just really cool to have you here in my backyard and be able to pull from you and learn from you and try to bring that uh, try to bring that more out in my work, but then also just try to bring more awareness to it online and just just the man, there's just something cool about living life, taking from what you've learned and then putting it out into art, whichever way that may be, right. whether it's painting, whether it's fabricating metal, whether it's building spurs, whether it's building belts, hats, every bit of denim, it's all the same. It's all the same. same. Yeah. And so just tapping into that and then, uh, getting around guys like you that have been around it for longer than I've lived life, you know, (laughs) it's really cool. Thanks for calling me an old. Oh yeah. Well, you you dated yourself long ago. (laughs) I know. Don't give me that shit. Not on me. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool, man, David. It's uh, it's so good to have you. Thanks, Mr. David. We appreciate you. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. All right, next time. Appreciate you guys.